connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic-Con. Log on to denvercomiccon.com to get your tickets. We got an email that there is a very small amount of three-day passes left. So by the time you hear this, they're probably not going to be available anymore. I'm surprised there were even any. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they released them. They, you know, Oh, like they were sitting on yeah, a few? Because huh. uh, I know people have been saying that they've had... Uh, that we're they good. were sold out, but there's some available. Good. There's some available. So it is June 17th through the 19th at the Colorado Convention Center. We will be there, but we will not be in our usual spot. You will find the Real Nerds podcast in Artists Valley. Alley. Valley. Alley. Valley. Is it really Valley this year? It's Valley. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's not just, well, they're lumping authors as artists. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. And, and we already podcast have. podcast, too. <laughs> We already have our first uh, interviews lined up for Denver Comic-Con. Awesome. We'll be interviewing authors, now that you mention it. Uh, we'll be uh, Amelie will be stopping by again, so will Sue. And then uh, two more authors will stop by. I will post that very soon. As we uh, Probably this week, I'll post uh, the authors and their interview times. Cool. If people want to watch us interview people at Denver Comic-Con. Yeah, neat. Um, but yeah, I-, I still love that name. I, know- I love the name Amelie. Yeah, it's very true. Because I'm weird. Yeah. Every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. James, what movie did we see this week? Um, the nice no uh, X Men. We went and saw X Men Apocalypse. Brad, did you see a different movie this week? I saw the movie we're supposed to and another movie. Nice. That was my way of introducing you guys and not forgetting you this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, our, our feature movie is X Men. Did Apocalypse. you see it, James, or did you skip it to see the X-Men? nice guys? No, I, I did actually go see it, um, but on Friday night, like my parents, uh, my parents and my roommates still hadn't seen the nice guys, and so when they got back, they were out of town for that weekend. So when they got back, and they were like, "Oh, we're, we're gonna go see the nice guys on Friday," and I was like, "Can, can I go with you? Because I want to go see it again." Uh, so yeah, I just I was really just joking that on Friday night I was at the Alamo seeing. The nice guys again <laughs> instead of X Men. Um, that's but, twice uh, now. Like we've been in, in the theater together and not been. Oh, the were same you there movie. for Lobster? Yeah. And, oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I went in for X Men because I got out of work early, and then I stayed oh, for okay. Lobster. And apparently, you were in there too. Oh, too funny. I'm sure it's happened more than twice. Yeah. To be completely honest. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, the, no news that. Can you tell everybody what's your favorite food? Say pizza. Say pizza kit. He always gets so shy on the mic. I know. He was just talking like too crazy. And now he, yeah. when I ask him to say pizza, he won't. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I did see it. Awesome. We also talk about movie news, comic books, movies that are coming out, movies we've been watching. We like movies. Some news. I said that at the beginning. Did you? Okay. Whatever. Listen to what I'm saying. Can Move I jump along. in with a request from the fans real quick? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. No. Can we? No, okay. Are we going to do fan news? 
fan news? Fan, fan mail? A request no, no, no. Fans? No, um, so our th- 300th episode's coming up pretty soon, next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which gives you plenty of time. Oh, you mean a request to fans. Request yeah. to fans, fans are requesting something. Yeah, I know. No, no. Oh, you totally threw me off. Yeah, so um, I've been going through all our, all our old episodes to, you know, timestamp and highlight certain special things. Yeah. Throughout we're, our We're lineage. preparing because it takes us a year to do something special. Yeah. Um, but um, if you're following along and you're a fan and you want to highlight stuff or episodes that you think are special that I might not catch, uh, please send them our way so I can write them down and add them to the growing list of things that need to be in our massive, amazing, celebratory 300th episode. I think well, what you're saying is, after five years of content, if you find anything that's actually worth listening <laughs> yeah. to, please let us know, because we don't want to have to come well, through the whole thing again. Uh, I, I was thinking that maybe we should start <laughs> ramping up to the 300th episode, not just save everything for the 300th episode. Okay. You know, like you, have a best of and things like that. We can do that. Yeah. You find some good stuff, man. I'll, I'll cut am. it together. I, I am. I'm, I'm, I will have an, I, I will have a special episode that I've been working on. I, I do 100% think that we need to cut together that, uh, Zach Eastman's idea of the, uh, of the, um, the Hunger Games reviews. Cause I think that would be a neat little, like, special episode to go listen to the way that that, that whole story has, has, has arced. So. And, you know, I also want to thank you guys. After t- two years of bugging, you finally put out an interview. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Tony Todd one. That uh, one's on me. That one I gotta go find and, and cut together. Hey, you know what's worse? I didn't post most of the Mile High Horror Fest 2013 interviews. So. I know you didn't. <laughs> I know you didn't. I found that out this week. Because I asked about them, you guys would just get pissy. I legit <laughs> thought they were done. So I'm sorry. <laughs> and I apologize to all those artists who had stuff going on that we could have advertised. Yep. So, Same dick. Yeah. Okay. They were on the thing. Not anyway. T- not Tim Quill and Jonathan Tiersen, though. We took care of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Those are fun interviews. They are. So. You can go to realnerdspodcast.com to listen to those interviews, or you can stream us on Stitcher, or you can download us on iTunes. And you can follow us on Instagram now. Oh, yeah. We have an Instagram account. <laughs> Great. Now we're... You, you're a douche? What? <laughs> <laughs> now we're, uh, we're as cool as a kid, like a high schooler from 2012. Yeah. We're, we're caught up with the times, man. We, yep. we did it. And when we go to Denver Give Comic Con, us- you'll see all these, like, uh, in-depth S- cell phone photos. Instagram, yeah. <laughs> and give us a good, you know, five more years and we'll get on Snapchat. <laughs> oh, yeah, Snapchat's a thing. What is Actually, Snapchat? Like, just Instagram with, like, the letters are on the p- picture? Well, it, no, it, like, yeah, and it goes it away. deletes. It goes <laughs> away. You're so naive. <laughs> well, I mean, that... <laughs> yeah, they just delete those. They don't save oh, them yeah, for informational yeah. purposes. You and I are aware because we're adults. <laughs> but for all of those sexting celebrities, oh my goodness, those those just they delete immediately. They don't even take the photo. It doesn't even <laughs> exist. So, yeah. Anyway, ah, <sighs> what are we doing first, Ryan? We're talking about how I beat Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yes, <gasps> it's so good. It is. It is so good. It is. I ah. Uh, it's huge spoilers if you guys haven't played Uncharted. Um, yeah, I it, mean, ser- seriously, just don't. Just skip forward five minutes. Yeah, here's here's Nathan Drake saying something really cool. So, on a scale of one to ten, how scared were you that I was going to die? Four. Four? Yeah, why? A four. four. Yeah. You were at least an eight. An eight? You were a total eight. An eight? Those guardian things were an eight. Are you kidding me? Yeah, those were terrifying. What's a ten? 
clowns. Clowns over my death? I, I hate clowns. clowns. I hate clowns. Oh, my word. You thought I was dead. No. No, you thought I was no, gone. No. Yes, you did. No, I, I had saw you, you all shed all. tears. You shed a bunch of them. Tears? Mm -hmm. It was raining. No, it was not. <laughs> you were unconscious and it was raining. It was totally sunny out and you were bawling. It wasn't sunny. You were unconscious. Whatever. I kept your tears in a jar. I have proof. I'll give you five. How's that? Or you know what it should be? It should be the end of Uncharted 2 when him and Elena are like walking away. Oh, yeah. And talking. That's a great... Well, yeah, when she's uh, she's oh I, I I caught your tears in a jar. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh huh. Uh, that's a good clip. Um, yeah. So how good is it? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's my favorite Uncharted game. It's definitely my favorite from a character point of view. Yeah, right? that's what um, I mean. I think I had more fun, like the action adventure part of two. I think is still probably my favorite because there's a lot less action in. Four. Oh yeah, on like, purpose. I read an interview with the director, and he purposely yeah. made it that way. Well, it's the guys who made The Last of Us, and The Last of Us is a quiet like methodical game where it's mostly stealth and sure enough like I'm playing through so I'm playing through Uncharted 4 on hard as my second playthrough and it's not that much harder because I stealth kill everyone like mm -hmm. it's uh, you know the tall grass yeah yeah you snap. sneak around in the tall grass and you snap people's necks and like okay cool um, but yeah I like it a lot yeah no it was fun um, the ending was really sweet yeah um, man it is I was telling you before the show that it, the the end does such a great job with those characters that it actually it puts them in a place where I'm like, okay, I'm I don't want you to touch these characters again because yeah. I don't want you to screw this up. Like mm -hmm. this is everything has got a, a nice bow tied around it. Um, and, and I was, oh, and that's why I was saying last week I felt even though I was you know maybe three quarters of the way through the game I felt like this is a good ending for Nate. Yeah. Right. You know, and then, <laughs> the, then they did the ending and I was like, this is a great ending for Nate. Yeah. Like I was so afraid to even look at you because I was like, I, he's going to think that I'm confirming that Nate dies or, or that I'm, <laughs> or that he doesn't or whatever. Like I, I didn't want to communicate anything to spoil it for you. Um, but yeah, when that stinger happens and they, they come back and there's somebody playing banjo kazooie or uh, not banjo kazooie, um, crash bandicoot. Crash bandicoot. I was like, ah, oh, dude. Yep. Um, yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun, and like I said, I didn't trust his brother, and and when I found out that story was bullshit, I had a feeling it was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but that relationship is is more dynamic than just a good and bad, right? Like, yep, like no, that I plays agree. really well because he's They're, still uh, that scene where here's like great character moment. Mm -hmm. You know, Nate figures out a way for them to get on the side from one top of building in the Britalia to the other side, and his brother is stuck on the other side, and it's such a great. Um, symbolism for where Nathan is, where he's with Elena, he's with Victor, and Sam's alone, and he says, "No, I got to go get this trophy." And Nate goes, "Well, I got to go after him." Yeah, you know, and yeah, and yep. I I love one of my favorite moments in the game is when um because the 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 way that they handle their the game handles their marriage is so careful. Um, and, and again, I've never been married, but at least from, from the way that those characters are written, it feels very realistic. And so they'll just reveal little bits at a time. And there's this great section where they're, they're, they're starting their adventure together and they, um, they sort of come to this agreement of like, look, we'll, we'll talk about our problems later. 
But what actually ends up happening is they end up talking about it in little snips at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll move the Jeep or they'll do other stuff and then they'll, they'll just make little comments about it. And then what'll happen is there's this great moment where they've said a couple of things and you know that there's this tension. They love each other, but they're trying to navigate these problems. And then you start driving up the mountain and all the sound drops out and the music pulls in and it just becomes this really scenic drive with these two characters that you really care about in this kind of awkward tight spot. Um, and it's just beautiful. Like it's such a great moment and mm-hmm. there's no, there's no talking, there's nothing happening. There's no action. Um, but it's just such a well-written little yep. scene uh, that you can't help but love it. Right. The only thing I miss from uncharted four is the uncharted theme. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's there, but it's like, they just, they mangle it a little bit mm-hmm. and it's not, yeah. It very rarely like comes through as a powerhouse of like, every yeah. game, the load screen has that. I mean, my, oh, yes. my ringtone's been that for like a year, but like, yeah. that, dun, dun, I wake up dun, to it sometimes. Dun, <laughs> like it's, it's, dun, some dun, of my dun, alarm clocks are that yeah, theme song. It's great. Uh, but yeah, the, the game's awesome. Um, I heard that they're releasing a bunch of DLC for free for it. Yeah. So multiplayer and also a story. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm interested to see what it is. So maybe it's uh, their daughter, and you get to see why she's an adventurer. Or it could be Sam and Sullivan, right? Like yeah. that's totally a thing I'd be down for. Is like yeah. go tell me some some Sam stories, right? Like take this character that you set up that you I think you've done a decent job with, and then start fleshing him out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I think there is a lot more to do with Sullivan. I think he's you know like that character isn't necessarily ever dead, uh, yeah, or, or you know done. Um, but I will. I I go straight back to it, like. With how brilliantly written this game is, it's it's better written than most of the movies I've seen this year. Yeah. Um. And for that reason, this is why like I have such fervor when when David O. Russell started talking shit about what he wanted to make his Uncharted movie into. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, the fuck are you talking? Like, why would you touch this thing? This thing is so well written, and these characters are so well defined that it. I, for me, any time that anybody would make an argument about like games as art like that whole stupid old question mm-hmm. for me this puts it to bed yeah right? like, this is this is what storytelling in video games should look like um because honestly at a certain point it gets so good that i don't care that there's less gameplay other than the fact that when i'm playing through it on on crushing and i'm really there for like a challenge there's less gameplay right like that is sort of the disappointing part here for me um but the story is so well done I, I want them to make a really good movie because I know my mom's never going to... Exp- I, I know my mom and people like her would love this story and are never going to get to experience it because they don't play video games. Yep. Um, and I, I want to be able to make jokes about Elena Fisher and, and Nathan Drake with my mom. Yeah. So they need to make an awesome movie. It would be yep. so easy. Yep. And so anyway. Yep. Cool. Hey, Brad. What's happening around town? Should we do mail? Uh, yeah, we can do mail. I, uh... Open it! One year... Membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. That it is indeed.
Fuck you, James. <laughs> Sorry. We... No, that's fine. Just cut this out. Yeah. No, we're leaving it in. It's going to be all awkward and shit. <laughs> uh, our favorite correspondent emailed us. Hi, long time, no correspondence. Trademark real nerds. <laughs> I still use that title. I apologize in advance for all of this. A lot of the blockbuster movies, this is from Cora, by the way. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the blockbuster movies and spoiler worthy TV shows have got me thinking about the collective, our judgment of good and bad. I appreciate that you all strive to go into every movie experience wanting the film to be good, but in regards to DC and Marvel, also potentially Star Wars, is something destined to be criticized more because of what came before? Yes. I had an exhaustive one-sided debate with my mother, where I believe that DC has a harder road ahead of them because they are trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm really looking forward to Wonder Woman because it isn't a story that has been done over and over. Marvel, on the other hand, is almost guaranteed success because those characters are still relatively new to most audiences. What do you all think? Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think why Marvel is more successful than DC is because they've invested 13 movies into these characters. Right. And so it's just a continuation. And so once you have that built in audience, they're going to go. Well, I, I think the her, to her point, it's more that it's hard. And I would agree with this statement that it's hard for, for DC to get Batman and Superman movies or like a universe built on Batman and Superman built. Because there is all this weight of, of the many Batman and Superman movies we've had, right? Like people are, are, are used to those characters. Whereas part of why Iron Man was fun for people was that, you know, most people didn't know the story of Iron Man, right? Um, so like in this case, she's saying she's looking forward, forward to Wonder Woman because she's never seen a Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie. Marvel's um, working with a clean slate where it's like, exactly, exactly. DC has like Superman is one of the AFI's top 100 movies of all time. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of baggage, baggage there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely agree that, that they have a, a harder road to, to, to ahead of them. The, the problem with that though is they've tried the hard, the easy road and they screwed it up, right? Like they, they tried to build this universe off of Green Lantern and they made a really bad movie. Um, you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm just repeating myself to say that I always feel like that's the thing they should do. If, if Wonder Woman is great, Wonder Woman is the thing you should build your universe off of. Um, I hope that they can find that character and do something that is unique and new. Um, Suicide Squad, for example, is one of those. Uh, I think my, I went and saw Nice Guys with my folks, obviously, and the, the trailer for Suicide Squad aired, and they didn't know, they, it seemed like they were interested. They didn't know what the title of the movie was. Like, they were like, uh, wait, so is, it's called Suicide Squad? Like, I don't, I don't quite get this, Which, but it by seems the way, cool. Is like, I'm surprised that that's like a title that, like, marketing is okay with. Like, <laughs> it's got suicide in the title. Yeah. Like, there's movies where like, oh, it can't be a dame to kill for. It has to be a dame to die for. Yeah, and, true. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it makes sense, like, what the movie is about, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're no, villains totally the appropriate who are, title. It's, yeah. I'm just surprised that it wasn't, like, debated hotly. Like, should we keep it Suicide Squad, or should we call it, like... It's, my, it's got my, enough equity, I think it's... My, it's yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the tone. Yeah. Uh, and, and the marketing behind it, I think, is actually pretty ingenious with uh, the fonts and the way it's presented, and kind of that neon spray paint kind of look. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't look like it's... Danger, uh, dangerous. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, it's promoting a, it's, suicide. Yeah, yeah, like they're being playful with it, and there's yeah. nothing suicidal in the trailer necessarily, yeah. right? Like there's not a suicide joke, and then oh, yeah. and suicide, right? Like, um, you know, yeah. So anyway, um, 
I I would agree with her that that is part of DC's problem. Though, I, yeah, that, I think that, that there is a lot of. But at the end of the day, baggage. you have you, if you also if you tell good stories, it doesn't matter. I hundred percent agree. I one hundred percent agree. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that maybe the lesson that we're learning through this whole comic book thing is that it's not actually that easy to make a great comic book universe, right? Um, it's why so many people have failed and the majority of comic book movies uh, have been relatively bad or get rebooted every two or three movies, right? Uh, I mean, this week is an interesting example of here's this thing that they just like, they probably should have rebooted at some point, and they also kind of did, but they're like just tr- trying desperately to hold this whole mangled thing together, and it surprisingly works most of the time, right? Like, X-Men is a really good example of the entire, and, you know, also sort of started, or, or was a, a part of starting the current trend of, Mar- of, of superhero movies. Um, it's a, it's a really good example of how hard it is to actually do this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel's very lucky that they've been as successful as they have been and that the the things they've done poorly get overlooked by the fans as often as they do. Um but yeah, I mean the DC's got it kind of hard up, you know? Um cuz nobody nobody's going to go into if if Batman weren't Batman and you didn't have the Dark Knight series and you didn't have so many movies and you cast Ben Affleck, no one would have raised a fuss as an example, right? Maybe well, they, some. Well, some they rose the fuss fans. about Michael Keaton, so I think. Yes, but but though, I mean, it would have been among comic book fans. It wouldn't have been among the the greater. Uh, uh, was, like, wasn't there like a story like the front page of the like Los Angeles Times about how they couldn't believe Michael Keaton was Batman? Oh, really? Well, I mean, there yeah. was no internet then, so it was all it was all print. So I think yeah. every because I remember the making like of that. it on the Batman series Blu-rays talks about. How people couldn't believe Mr. Mom was Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, it's interesting. I think, uh, again, I think, I think DC's biggest problem too is their heroes are not as relatable as Marvel characters. Um, because someone like Superman is, well, he can do whatever he wants. Well, you oh. can't relate to an alien and billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no I but mean, do- I, I have always and still agree with you. Or an Amazonian um, ancient yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So you, you have to make the characters relatable mm-hmm. and, which, and, and foreshadowing to something later, they also need to, part of that is that they need to be vulnerable in some ways. Exactly. They have to actually get defeated every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they probably deserve to. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, next topic, television is no longer good. It's just <laughs> addictive. Yes, I keep up with Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley every week, but for the most part, everything gets binge-watched when available through various streaming services. True. The shows on network television that are lasting four-plus seasons are pretty brainless, where really quality shows, Agent Carter and The Bridge come to mind, are being canceled. Your thoughts? I, I mean, I agree. I don't... Uh, there's one show I actually watch every week, and that's The Walking Dead mm. and American Pickers. But I also DVR them. I never sit down and just watch them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't have cable, so all I do is binge watch discs and Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a couple different... Like, there's there's two sides of this. I think the binge watching, the way that people consume their television is a separate conversation. Um, but from, from whether or not TV is, is bad or good right now, I actually think that TV continues to be better than... It has been better than it was when I was a kid, better than it has been in the past. There's, there's definitely still, still some stinkers. Um, and yeah, your, your network TV is generally pretty lame. 
um, because they're still pandering to those older audiences and people who are watching TV in that same sort of way. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, stuff like The Bridge and um, what was the other one that she Agent mentioned? Carter. Agent Carter just wouldn't have been made back in the day. Agent Carter is actually pretty similar to maybe your your you know Clark and Lois or something like that. Um, Lois and Clark, I mean. Um, but you know, <sighs> the bridge just didn't get watched. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's hard to necessarily blame that. Um, cause there are really great shows that do get, you know, I mean, that, or that haven't gotten canceled. Um, justified, for example, ran for a full six seasons. Um, Fargo is doing really well and they're, they're, you know, the, they're get that show is getting renewed while at the same time, uh, true detective is probably getting canceled. Um, thankfully, uh, cause that show was never good. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that all things are maybe as bad as this makes it sound. Um, there's still really good TV out there. It's just, you got to find it. Yeah. You know, um, you need to have somebody really good who likes TV tell you what stuff is good. Go watch preacher. Don't watch <laughs> preacher. No, no one should watch preacher. The preacher's really good guys. In regards to, in regards to comic books, which haven't been touched on as much lately, you should try out house of penance. Great okay. if you like lock and key, James. Ooh. Centers around a construction of the Winchester House, also from Under Mountains. This one is described as a comic style of Game of Thrones with murder, mystery, and power struggles, but more Middle East and Native American influences, less medieval times. Huh. Otherwise, we pick up every new saga in East of West trade and single issues of Wicked and the Divine, which are excellent. Sorry for the rant and have a great show. Cora, your faithful listener from the Pacific Northwest. Cool. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, uh, we'll get into comics this week, actually. So oh, we will. Um, we also got one from our good friend Henry. Hey, nerds! With the announcement of the animated Spider-Man film, will heavily feature Miles Morales. I want to ask Ryan what his opinion is of the, on the character. I haven't read a ton of Miles Morales, but I've picked up a few issues here and there. I like the character a bit, and usually have a fun time reading his stories. But I'm certainly no expert on the character. So if Ryan had an opinion on the character, I'd be interested in hearing it. And if he had any recommended reading for the character, I'd appreciate it. As he is a character that I hope <laughs> that I would like to read more. Thanks, and I hope you enjoyed the movie this week. Um yeah, Miles Morales is a fun character. Um you know, he's if you because originally his big uh hook was he was half Puerto Rican, half black. And, you know Which isn't a character trait, by the way. It isn't. And uh that's you know, mainstream news media is latching on to who right. he is. Um, the, the real thing that's great about Miles Morales is he's a gifted kid who happens to get accidentally bit by a spider that was part of the experiment that bit Peter in the ultimate universe. So he has different powers though. He can actually camouflage himself. He also has stingers in his wrists. Um, and he's actually grown into a really confident Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're asking me a good one that's miles centric, um, man, I, maybe the first few issues with him in it to get the idea of who the character is. Uh, but then after that, I, I think Spider-Man where Peter Parker comes into the ultimate universe is really good. Um, and if you want to, uh, get into him now, he, he's actually the Spider-Man in New York for Marvel proper. Yeah. And his new series is pretty fun. Cool. Um, he, cause it's fun seeing him kind of interact with the Marvel characters. And what's cool is, uh, Bendis has been the writer for Miles Morales since he's been around. And he did an interesting thing. The, the, the only thing I will say is that I don't like that he's 
in the Marvel universe and they did this, uh, event called secret wars where basically they just wiped out the ultimate universe and it blended into the Marvel universe. It's yeah. this is a short version of what happened. Yeah. But he had a great story where his mom was murdered by venom and, uh, he went, you know, crazy and he was going to kill venom and stuff. And it's a great story, but in this new miles Morales, his mom's back. Oh. So kind of less of the there's impact a cop out of that. There, yeah. yeah. Shoot. But that's fine. Um, but is yeah, it, is it the, is it like the, the regular universe version of his mom? So like, no, it, it's interesting. Well, he went and fought in, uh, the secret wars. <laughs> secret wars is convoluted. Basically what happened is the two worlds merged. Dr. Doom became a God and he reshaped people's memories mm. to make them think that he's a God. And when they defeated him, that sounds it, familiar. Yeah. It kind of went back to normal. And, um, okay. And so, is there is there a six one six version of Miles Morales? Yeah, he's in the six one six now. No, I mean like a non right because ultimate Miles Morales comes over to six one six. Yeah, what happened to six one six Miles Morales? There is he never one. born? No, there there is one, but you read Spider Man. Okay, all right, all right, all right. He he's mentioned in it, but do he's they? Not. Oh, do, is it like the one where they meet and he like <laughs> he totally like chops his up the other version of his head off and he becomes more powerful? That'd be awesome. Yes. Yes. Awesome. The Highlander? Yes. Well, I mean, the one is basically Highlander, only with dimensional. So, yeah. Splits, so, sorry, yeah. I'm trying to think of, I, I would definitely pick up his new series because it just started. Yeah. That's a good jumping off point. The first trade with him is really good. And, um, the one where his mom dies is really, really good. Cool. Uh, but he's, he has a great story because he also tries to hide being Spider-Man from his girlfriend. And, um, yeah, it, it's always a great idea. Yep. It usually works out well for spider people yeah. when that happens. Relationships based on, uh, based on lies and deceit. Always, always great. So yeah, it's basically Peter Parker in, still in high school and college years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously he's a way different character, but it has that same feel where right. it focuses more on the soap opera aspect. Sure. Than it does of him punching a villain. Yeah. That's it, cool. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, he's a cool character. So I, I've said it a few weeks ago. If they're going to make a Spider-Man animated movie, they should make it with Miles Morales so you can differentiate the two. Cool. And that's what they're doing because they listen to my show, obviously, and think I'm full of great ideas. <laughs> uh, cool. uh, speaking of comics, this is a comic book you should read this week. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Am I going because I actually read this comic? Yeah, because you mentioned <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, so... Um, they they're doing this thing where they relaunched uh a, a bunch of the Marvel universe um and so there's a Captain America Steve Rogers number 1 cuz there's two there's two Captain Americas right now cuz mm-hmm. Sam Wilson is still cap um and it turned into this thing the only reason i i ended up buying this w- and and reading it was that it blew into this big thing cuz there's this yeah there's this spoiler <laughs> at the end of the of the book where they reveal something that I'll get to in a minute uh, about Captain America. And it pissed people off. Uh, and as people were like talking about it on the internet, I was like, Oh, this is funny. Like there are these funny animated gifts. And I was like, ah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was curious and I went and read a little bit about what the story was. And I was like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And then like, as the week progressed, I started seeing like the vitriol get higher and higher. Um, and, and before that it was just like oh, okay you guys are all just a part of their marketing cuz like you make this reveal and you write it this way cuz you want it to get news so that people will come read your book right mm-hmm. brilliant 
Um, but it got to a point where like, I started seeing people say like, oh, you know, Nick Spencer is from Hydra and they're telling these stories. Oh, my, my kid's got Captain America on a poster on his wall. And what am I going to tell him? I'm like, dude, I'd tell him that it's comic books and that Captain America's cool. I don't know what you're worried about. Like, <laughs> yeah. what is the problem here? But when, when people really started like driving, dragging Nick Spencer through the mud, that's when I was like, okay, guys, y'all have crossed a line. Um, and, I, I've met Nick Spencer. We almost got him on the show last week, last year, but there were some scheduling issues. Um, and, uh, he's a, a really nice guy and a really great writer. I've said both good and bad things about him on this show. Cause I think if you go back to early episodes, I talk about, Hey, you should read Morning Glories. And then probably two years ago, you'll hear me say something about like, Hey, I stopped reading Morning Glories cause I got really bored and it's <laughs> sort of meandering and I don't know where it's going anymore. And he sort of lost me. Um, but I always thought he was a really great writer. And so when I saw his name on this thing, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, you should absolutely go read Captain America, Steve Rogers, number one. Uh, it's a fantastic issue. And Nick Spencer is honestly kind of killing it on this book. Cause for me, the tone and the themes are really what makes, we sort of talked about this back when, uh, somebody had asked about like why, why the Civil War movie was a Captain America movie and not an Avengers movie. And it's cause the, the tones, the themes, these questions about authority and all of that stuff, that, that's all what Steve Rogers is about. Um, and in the same way here, like what they're talking about in this book, it needs to be Steve Rogers. It can't be even in this case, Sam Wilson. Like these questions are the kind of thing I want to hear Steve Rogers comments on. Um, and so what the, the story of the book is that, um, the setup here is that he, he had gotten older, he had lost his powers because of something or whatever, and he has this interaction with this sentient version of the Tesseract, the Cosmic Cube, um, and it gives him his powers back and makes him young again, right? It's basically like, hey, here's a really cheap trick to make him, uh, young again so that we can reboot this character some. Um, and it starts and there's, you've got Hydra back and, uh, Red Skull is, has this amazing three or four page speech where he's enlisting these, like, these poor kids and these, these, like, ex-neo-Nazis to become members of Hydra. And this whole thing is being told to you, uh, basically Cap and, and Jack Flag and, um, Free Spirit are all attacking this, this ship. Um, or no, they're, they're, they're attacking this train and the train's being driven by this kid who's, who's been following Red Skull. And so you're learning about what Red Skull's been doing by hearing Captain America tell you the story of this kid and like the hard life he's had and his battle with addiction and how he's gone down this road to believe the kind of stuff that Red Skull is telling him and to become a member of Hydra. And you get this sense that Steve really cares about this guy, even though the guy's driving this train, has a bomb strapped to his chest. He's become a terrorist, right? Um, and Steve really wants to save him. And Sharon Carter set the whole thing up so that they're like, hey, if we can hack into this thing, we can sever the cars. And the kid with the with the bomb on him, he'll go on and maybe blow himself up, but everyone else will be safe. And for her, that's success. But Steve's like, no, I'm going to go talk to this guy and I'm going to save him. Um, but he doesn't. He he gets there. He can't convince the guy to stop. The guy blows himself up. And it really it really screws with him. And there's this great scene where Steve is wrestling with like, man, I, this new version of Hydra that I see... I don't understand it. Like I see these people and there's just nothing behind their eyes. And he's really wrestling with like, what is this Hydra? And 
when you get to the end of the book, I'll, I'll skip forward. They go, they fight Baron Zemo because Baron Zemo and, and, and Red Skull are basically splitting Hydra in half, trying to find this new Tesseract. And they're fighting with Baron Zemo on this plane. And Jack Flag, he tells Jack Flag and, and Free Spirit, like, you guys stay back. I'm going to go catch Baron Zemo and fight with this guy. And Jack Flag ends up going to try and help him. And when he gets there, Jack Flag uh, saves his life. And then Cap has this sort of monologue about, you know, sometimes you see an opportunity to be a hero and you take it and this is why you do it and blah, 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 blah. And he says, and the truth is, Jack Flag, this was Jack Flag's opportunity to be a hero and he took it and he doesn't deserve this. And then he grabs Jack Flag and he throws him out the side of the plane. Uh, th- presumably to his death. This is like the second to last page. Uh, and then he walks to the front of the, the, the plane where, um, uh, Eric Selvig is sitting there. He's been captured by Baron Zemo. And he looks at Eric Selvig and Eric knows where the Tesseract is. And he says, Hail Hydra. And that's the big twist, right? And you know that there is more going on here than just like, there's no adequate, like, there's no, uh, realistic interpretation of this book that says that Captain America has been a member of Hydra since World War II. It's just not realistic. No one should read this book and find that. If so, you weren't reading the book. And here's why. What I've mm-hmm. skipped over is that there's this flashback the whole se- the whole time. And the flashback is that uh, it's the story of his mother and his mother's like getting beat up in the street by his by uh, Steve's dad. And this woman comes along, saves her. They go and have dinner. The woman ends up being a Hydra agent, gives her this pamphlet, is like, hey, you should come join Hydra. Sort of implying like, oh, this is how his mother got indoctrinated into Hydra, and therefore Steve Steve joins Hydra. But it's all told in black and white, uh, except for what, the things that are red. So anything that's red, very like um, Schindler's List style, right? Anything that's red is actually in color. Everything else is black and white. Skip back to the fact that at the beginning of this, I told you that he turns young again, by interacting with a sentient version of the Tesseract, which they tell you is one of the three people in charge of Hydra. And it changes reality. So why does anyone think that there's not one or two things is true here? Clearly, either he's trying to get into Hydra because he's terribly afraid of what this new Hydra is, and he, he's going to do whatever he has to do to stop this because this new form of evil is unlike anything he's seen before, and so he's going to go the extra mile. Or... It's simply that the Tesseract put false memories in his brain to brainwash him because that's what it needs to do to succeed. And that's both of those are cooler stories than what people think is going on in this book. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's what it's I, really awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, so James explained it to you. What people are just latching onto is the final scene right. of Hell Hydra. Yeah. Um, and the thing with Nick Spencer is he's also writing the Captain America Sam Wilson book. Mm-hmm. So. My guess is that he's building to a huge story, but for the two. Yeah. And, um, it's eventually they're going to be like Captain America's. Yeah. And what I always think too, uh, and what our good friend Andrew from the comic store says, if you don't like the comic story, wait five years, they'll change it. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I want to see them try something new and that's fine. And, and so what I, what I was alluding to early on is that even if it were true, right? So let's say that, that Red Skull or this new Tesseract has brainwashed him. Um, that's what I want, actually. I want him to be vulnerable to that. Like, I want him to have those issues. Even if it were just that they have convinced him of something that's not true, or changed his mind on something, or caused him to have doubts, like, fine. Like, as long as you're telling me a neat story, yeah. that's okay. Um, but the truth is, the story here 
the 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 narration from Steve's mind, like what Steve is actually telling you is going on and what he's thinking, is drastically more interesting than those last two words of the book. Oh yeah, he's absolutely. still very much Steve Rogers. And that scene between him and Sharon, where he's talking about like, man, this poor kid, like. I just wanted to save this guy who was going to blow himself up because I, I felt bad for him. And I felt like, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, um, the poverty line and like how, how people are sort of are, are pushed into these situations. And he's, he's so sympathetic for the life that this guy's had, um, that, you know, you can tell it's not as simple as like, Oh, but this whole time I've actually been a hydrogen. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, it's, it's actually a brilliant book that I really enjoyed. Um, the art's okay. Like the art is good for, you know, a, a regular book. Like there's nothing special going on here. Um, there's some panels that are awesome where they need to be. And then there's some panels where it's just throwaway panels where it's like, oh yeah, this is all right. Um, but the story and what Nick Spencer is doing in this issue is, is really special and definitely worth checking out. So, um, honestly, it, it, it probably convinced me enough that I will keep reading these issues as this story progresses. I just bought it on my phone, which I've never done before. Um, like it just got the issue digitally and I actually really liked it. It was kind of cool. Um, so anyway, that's what, that's what you should read. Go to Colorado Coins, Cars, the Comics and pick up, uh, Captain America number one. Well, the other so. big reveal too is DC revealed the Joker's identity. Oh, really? Or did no, they? I didn't catch that. It's, it's, so Jeff Johns, who is like DC's, story guy said in justice league 50 because the new 52 is ending and they're rebranding dc with their new logo um to go back to so in two months i think it's back to detective comics like 897 or something Sweet. so they're going back to original numbering oh right because when they did the new 52 they they wiped away all yeah, the big numbers and they changed the characters i think a, if you go back to like episode three or four we even said yeah, yeah guys don't worry they're gonna go do that yeah um so Batman sat down on this Mobius chair. I don't even, I didn't read the flashpoint issue where he did this, but he asked, uh, the chair is all powerful. And he asked Mobius, the living vampire. No, that's Morbius. Okay. Um, so he sat down, he said, who killed my parents? And the chair answered, uh, you don't hear what the chair says, but Batman says, yeah, Joe, cool. I know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, then he says, okay, well, who's the, uh, who's the Joker? And, Batman says, no, that's not possible. And so it cuts to uh, Justice League 50. And uh, Batman says the chair told him he's talking to Hal Jordan. It's Clark Kent. And he said, the Joker isn't the Joker. There's three of them. Um, because if you go through Batman's career or years in comics, sometimes he's funny and like just a prankster. Other times he's homicidal. Other times he's just insane. Yeah. So the chair told him that there's three of them. And so the big story now is he's going to investigate and see if he can find out if there's more than one Joker. Um, I know. <laughs> he's just sitting there smacking his head against the table. So, uh, and then he's like, oh, that hurts. In a way, it's an interesting Sorry. story. In another way, I don't like Jeff Johns that told me that they're going to tell you who the Joker is in this. And then they're just like, Meh, it's like three panels. And it's, oh, he's three guys. Yeah. Hey, he's really hitting his head hard. Man. <laughs> yeah i always like the idea that joker doesn't have an identity like he's just, yeah he's just chaos yeah yeah and, and so i mean i really like snyder's take on him uh because he had this cool i think it was uh an end game where it was maybe the fourth or fifth issue 
Batman found a picture that was a hundred years old and the Joker was in it. Hmm. And so he thought maybe the Joker was really old and he f- maybe was in the Lazarus pit or something and kept on coming back. And that's why he thought he might be. Maybe he's insane because he, he, he keeps coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that ended up just being the Joker being like the Joker. Yeah. And, uh, he's just, tur- he's just gotten really good at Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. I mean, it, when the Joker comes back, I'll read Batman again because I think he, the Joker stories are really interesting. Sure. Um, and we'll see. So. Interesting. Why'd they change the logo? Um, just to, it, well, it's part of like the whole DC rebirth thing of, you know, scrapping the new 52, uh, lineage and going back to basics, I guess is what they call it. So they're like is really like, embracing a more fun DC universe. Has the new 52 been like a, a failure? Is that what it is? Or is it just, is this just the new, the like, characterizations of them people did not get on board with. Some of them yeah, they did. Okay. People really liked, ba- like, I love Batgirl. Cause they didn't change, oh. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they didn't change Batman very much. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I was like well, one of the most successful ones. Yeah. So yeah. he's successful. Superman. I, I mean, I, I was reading Newsarama. Uh, he's they a bully apparently. Yeah. They killed him though. Like he died. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. He dies in rebirth or Superman something. And so there's another. So the real Superman is back. So basically what they're doing is they're wiping the new 52 away. Um, and the big reveal in Rebirth is, I didn't read it, but is Dr. Manhattan created the new 52 from the Watchmen. Oh, is that why, is that why the, okay. So, gotcha. and that's why I saw, cause I saw like a comic where somebody had made, it was Dr. Manhattan sitting on Mars and it was like four panels long. And then the very last one was, he says, hail Hydra. Um, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck does Dr. Manhattan have to do with this? So my guess is they're gearing up for maybe a Justice League versus Watchmen kind of story, which is cool. Um, but I mean, yeah. whatever. I, I, yeah. I didn't know Dr. Manhattan was that powerful. But yes. basically, DC Dr. Manhattan after is, Dr. Manhattan is a tesseract as a living person. Yeah. So basically, DC likes some of it. So Batgirl is going to kind of stay the same. Batman okay. never changed. Uh, the Superman people weren't really on board with. Wonder Woman some of people liked. So they're kind of just going. Are back. they taking her pants off? Because <laughs> if they don't take her pants off, I won't read the book. <laughs> I mean, really. So people are kind of going back to. Uh, what DC is popular for yeah. kind of revamping Harley Quinn again. I don't know why she's probably the most popular character right now, but um, mm. so they're kind of revamping it. And yeah, if like, by revamping it, I mean going back to what made them successful before. Are they just, just as a nerdy question, you said that they're going back to whatever, like number, number eight ninety eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. When they did uh, the new 52, would the next issue have been eight ninety eight, or have they added, whatever 60 numbers onto whatever the last number was you know what i'm saying I think it's been like 50 issues yeah uh, Batman since then yeah, so if it was 890 it'd be 940 okay so they're they're counting new 52 number one as 899 i don't know maybe um i don't know i have to look at i i got my previews and that's i'm just i'm I just curious for dumb reasons yeah, yeah. but um, yeah they're so they're going back to what they should have. That's what I would do just because when you have numbers that big, I would want to get as close to a thousand as I can. Well, that's the thing because a thousand will uh, sell a lot of issues. And that's the one thing that made me mad about Marvel is so Spider Gwen was launched a year ago with yeah. issue one, and issue six was the last issue of this current one. So she's back to like issue number six again. It's stupid. So because they did Secret Wars. They renumbered all their issues back to number oh, one. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. it's mm. it's obnoxious. So yeah. uh, I don't know why uh, they're trying to bring new readers in. Right. But if you see Spider Man, you're not going to care. Like a casual reader's not going to care if it's issue 587. Who gives a shit? If you see him fighting Doctor Octopus and you like Doctor Octopus, you're going to get the issue. Yeah. yeah. If anything, what they should do is they should keep the numbering the same and then just like 
make the numbering for the for the story series bigger, right? Yeah. So if it's hey, this is this is the Rhino story number one of six, make that bigger than the number of the yeah. Actual well, they issue. used to do that. Marvel used to have when they relaunched Spidey uh-huh. in '99, yeah. it would say like Amazing Spider-Man have three, and then it'd be like uh, 437. So right. you see three, yeah. and then 437 would be right next to it. Right. Nightfall in No Man's Land for yeah, Batman. Exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that way. That way, you're capitalizing on the marketing of like, hey. This is issue number one. This is a story you can get at the beginning of. Like, if you're walking through a grocery store on vacation, this is one you exactly. can pick up and enjoy, kid. Um, but at the same time, still for the fans who are reading it every week, be like, hey, this is this is really this issue, and it's a part of something bigger, you know. <laughs> also, the new logo because apparently there's a DC Films division of Warner Brothers now. So since Jeff Johns has taken over creative control of the films, yeah, from now on, so they wanted to create a a logo for that and it drops down through all the comics and stuff so so is it are the movies going to change their dc logo yeah yeah. Okay. So that little page peel in front of like, oh, maybe all that's the why because the page peel feels like a comic book, and if they're making movies, maybe that's the branding idea. It's like we want this to be more universal than just issue. Yeah, know. like I've always thought the page peel design, like it's it's it only works as a three D graphic, and that's hard for like printing just on black and white, like documents, contracts, and stuff like that. Sure, it's hard to get across. So, um, I don't know. I I, I looking at this one, I'm like this. This looks like a bland, like... I think they should have made the ring a little thicker and maybe put the stars in it, so it's at least got the new DC, like, character font, but it still harkens yeah. back to, like, the, the bullet one. This but is so I was annoyed generic. at first, but if you look back at, like, the 70s, they changed the logo, like, every two years in the 70s. So oh, it's, yeah. I'm not yeah. that, like, oh, I'm not... I guess that's just kind of how yeah. they work. But mm-hmm. I, I, I always liked, obviously, the bullet one, and then the one they did, like, 2005... With, like, the one star in the swoosh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one's yeah. cool. Like, those two, yeah, I thought, I like were the best one. ones. When you say the bullet one, you mean the, the like, four stars? Yeah, four yeah. star. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. what other people called it, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So, Cora, I hope you liked our 40-minute comic book <laughs> section this week. Brad, what's happening around town? <laughs> hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. I had a thought before. We're, we're waiting I, to follow you. Hey, here I am, following Brad. Um, okay. So, Film on the Rocks, still going on. Although, um, so Big Lebowski is this Monday. Cool. Um, but I think the episode's probably going to come out after that. So, look forward to Citizen Kane next Wednesday. Because <laughs> <laughs> Monday's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and that's the 75th, 75th anniversary party of uh, Red Rocks, so... There'll be a ton of special stuff going on. Oh, cool. Uh, the drive-in is still doing Angry Birds, Miracles from Heaven, and Huntsman. So, okay. <laughs> this is going to be a low attendance. <laughs> Man. Yeah. A lot of winners there. Um, at the Bug Theater this weekend, June 3rd through the 4th. Hopefully this episode comes out before then. Oh, yeah. uh, you can check out the Colorado Independent Women of Film Festival. So there will be um, two days of local uh, films produced or um, by women directed or edited or acted showcasing women in colorado film cool um and there's actually some uh feature film premieres from out of state so you can check those out those out too um at the esquire the midnight movie for the week is purple rain um and then next weekend the after that is uh the 10th and 11th is zombie land 
Oh, cool. Ooh, cool. So they're doing that as midnight. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, I haven't either. I need to watch that movie. Yeah. And then uh, if you're at the Esquire um, for the rest of the week, uh, up until June 3rd, Video One next door is the like the last mom and pop video rental store in Denver. Yeah. They're going out of business, so they're selling a bunch of their Aww. stock and posters and uh, movies on DVD and Blu-ray. And Can you still get a copy of our, of our Blu-ray there? I, I picked it up. It's it's back in my hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you cannot. So, there, yeah. Yeah. Great. And, but you know where uh, you can pick a copy of that up at? Brad's Colorado House. Coins, Cards and Comics. Oh. That's the only store in town that still has yeah, it. Yeah, and they actually moved it to a cool new uh, rack. So oh, cool. Yep. Check it out. Um, yeah, and the uh, video one also has a pretty robust selection of Criterions. So if you want to pick up some used Criterions. Oh, cool. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, that's it for now. Sweet. Cool. Hey, real news. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. It's the ghost of Stonewall Jackson! Everyone, it's the ghost of Stonewall Jackson! I like a do da cha cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. You know, speaking of a long like uh, the comic segment, you know our like single movie reviews on the early early episodes used to be like almost 45 to like an hour long and then the, the other ancillary stuff would be maybe the first 15 minutes <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh yeah I, I can't believe how much time we devoted to like explaining green lantern and transformers <laughs> it's like an hour's worth of like anal- analysis you know we really needed to make sure that everyone knew every plot not to point see those of, movies of green lantern <laughs> i recently rewatched green lantern it's not that bad yeah no, on the review a- we were actually like yeah it's fine yeah, yeah it, it's it's, it's not great but it's, it's not fine. that bad right but it, cool. What's yeah. happening now in news? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, shoot. I, I never get it away from it thinking about something else. Um, we talked about that. Did, yeah. Did, did we actually talk about the fact that Miles Morales is the new animated? Yeah. Remember, we talked about well, it. We talked about Miles no. Morales, but we didn't actually talk about the fact that he's going to be the new cartoon show. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Henry, Henry sent the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah. it's it's covered. Uh, we talked about that. All of our news for this week was all comic book stuff that we covered in that segment, except for the fact that, um, so I've, I've talked a number of times about how sort of hurt I was at the fact that everybody hates Prometheus and then they've rebranded Prometheus to death and then they've, uh, the sequel, I mean, um, so that now it's Alien Covenant and it doesn't have a lady in space with her robot head and that I really wanted that movie. And then this week there was a set photo of, Alien Covenant, and I don't give a fuck. That movie looks amazing, and I want to see that movie. <laughs> Michael Fassbender's head's still in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I whatever. It it looks awesome. <laughs> like as soon as I saw that set, I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. I really love Alien, and I want to see anything that they do. Um, so I don't know. Go check that out. Um, I don't know that there was much else um, really to talk about this week. Um, there's some rumors about Tom Hiddleston being may, maybe being. Uh, james bond and i think we're all still on the page of uh i'd like to see emily blunt as james bond yeah. well it's interesting because there's another female like campaign that's not emily blunt yeah so. what is that i don't know i just see pictures of jillian anderson in front of the gun barrel 
And people are like, yeah, she should be a female James Bond, but huh. or Jane Bond, I guess. No, James. No, James. Yeah, no. Her name yeah. is James Bond. It's yep. Emily Blunt. Yes, yep. and it's Emily Blunt. And if you do anything else, I'll see your movie. You know what? They're probably not doing it because we made it and they don't want to give us money. So they're like tweaking the idea just enough that we can't sue them. They totally are. But whatever it is, it won't be as good as Emily Blunt. Yeah. Like, the, I, like really, let's, let's all think for a second. Yeah, I love nope. Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah. no, let's say, yeah, it's definitely Emily Blunt. Yeah, I, cool. Yeah, that's news. All right. We watch movies, too. This is what we watch this week. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. They tell me you're a man with true grit. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Mark! About now, you're still wired in? I'm looking for the man who shot and killed my father, Frank Ross, in front of the Monarch boarding house. The man's name is Tom Chaney. They say he's over in Indian Territory, and I need somebody to go after him. Sorry! My prodders at the cleaners! Along with my hoodie and my fuck you flip-flops, you pretentious douchebags! Nobody here knew my father, and I'm afraid nothing is going to be done about Chaney except I do it. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I didn't watch very much. I really played Uncharted all week. <laughs> um, but I watched... Uh, I finished my comic book movie thing. Uh, and my last one I had to watch was the 95 Judge Dredd. Really? Which, actually, I don't know I've why never people seen hate it. that is movie it right? so much. Right? It's... <laughs> Because you know, I'll be honest, like the first when he shows up and he's like, "I am the law." You have, I was like, ten seconds to come down here." Then he just goes in, wastes everybody. I, I don't know. I had pretty fun watching it. I mean, it's um, like right in the middle of like I think comic book movies, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's you know, I don't know why people hate it so much. I, I think it's it's cheesy, but it's fun. Yeah, it's I I think his Demolition Man is better, and it kind of has the same premise. Yeah, um, but. I was getting con- sequences confused from those two movies. Yeah, right. But it's still Isn't Sandra like, Bullock in both of them. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, it's uh Diane Lane's in. Oh, that's right. But I mean the it, it makes sense why he doesn't have the helmet in it. You know, people were so mad because he he was wearing a had the helmet off. But in this one, he gets charged with like murder. Yeah. So and so he's can't be a judge. Yeah, he can't be a judge. So he has to earn it back. Oh, I had fun watching it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the would what, you recommend like. Should I see? I've never seen that that Judge Dredd. Should I see it? If you want to watch a cheesy R-rated '90s action movie, yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I like the last Dread. Yeah, well, it's a different tone, totally, but sure. yeah. but it's still it's closer to. De- I like Demolition Man. I mean, for yeah. what it is. Well, there you go. Then you'll like Judge Dredd. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll let you borrow. I got the Blu-ray. Does it have the shell? <laughs> does it have the shells in it? The three shells? It, it doesn't have the three I'm shells. Out. I'm out. But it does have um, guns that are coded to your DNA. I'm back in. And what you find... Oh, see, there's like really cool reveals in that movie. Hmm? Like the reveals in the movie, I think, are actually really cool. Reveals of what? Like who Judge Dredd really is. He's trying oh, to, yeah. He's trying yeah. to not tell you so that... Or he's not trying to not remind you so that he doesn't spoil it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had fun watching it. And he fights those mutants and who doesn't have an arm. And he's like really big. Yeah, it's fun. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Rob Schneider's in it and that sucks, but... You know, he's not that annoying. Max von Sydow's in it, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's the... Uh, and Armando Sante. Yeah, he... Yeah, uh, Rico. Okay, he's come back. Yeah, Van is the judge who stands by Dread. And that robot's Ooh. badass. Yeah. Like, for an animatronic... Yeah, it's an animatronic is it, is it the robot from Rocky Four? 
Uh, no, it's like this really huge kind of Terminator looking robot that murders a bunch of people. All right. That's cool too. Because so they want the judges to start carrying out more executions. And so they have this huge robot that just goes down the street for people breaking laws and just like murders them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh. It's fun. All right. Um, I'm in. And the only other thing I watched this week is I watched the do over is Adam Sandler's new movie on Netflix. <laughs> Should they do it over? <laughs> Actually, I laughed a lot at, at it because it, I, I don't know why people take his comedies so seriously, but you know, critics get so mad at him because I don't know why. I mean, they're not like great movies, but they're still really funny. I mean, so in it, he plays, um, how many native Americans does he make fun of in this movie? Zero. Okay. In right. it, he plays an FBI agent who uh, goes to his high school reunion and David Spade is a loser and he still has the same job he had in high school. He drives the same car he had in high school. And he's, he said, oh, I'd give anything to give this life up. So Adam Sandler fakes their death and then they get caught up in this like story. Um, I don't want to spoil it because it's actually not a kind of a cute story, but, um, but, but there's like really funny parts in it where, uh, so Adam Sandler puts two dead bodies on this boat that he rented and he blew it up and he said, eh, man, I found this key on uh, one of them. And he hands it to David Spade. He's like, oh, man, where'd you find this key? He's like, because it smells like shit. He's like, yeah, it was up his ass. Mm-hmm. And so like, David Spade like casually turns his head and he throws up. And then he cuts. <laughs> then it cuts right back to him like looking and talking to Adam Sandler. It's like, <laughs> it's like stupid comedy like that where it's yeah. not like serious at all. Um, and so they, uh, Adam Sandler's trying to get David Spade to live his life and have more fun because his wife is horrible and um so he ends up having a three-way with uh luis guzman and this chick (laughs) and uh luis guzman uh so luis guzman suing the chick from behind and david spade's getting a blowjob and luis guzman's like quit staring at me man you're creeping me out so david spade turns his head quickly and stares right back at him it's really like (laughs) funny and uh guzman's like i gotta go take a dump i'll be right back so he leaves and uh, David Spade lays down and the chick gets on top of him and then Guzman shows back up and his balls are hanging in his face. And he's like, man, it's so hot in here. I'm sweating my balls off and like his ball sweats falling on his face. <laughs> it's totally stupid, but it's funny. It's terrible. Um, and, uh, actually the, the, my, the part that I just couldn't stop laughing at is so stupid. Um, at the end, uh, this lady is like holding up, um, Adam Sandler and David Spade and, you find out Adam Sandler's wife is like super crazy and she's about to kill Adam Sandler, the the bad girl. And then all of a sudden his wife shows up and she jumps down and starts beating this chick up. And David Spade like goes in to help him. And in slow motion, Adam Sandler puts his hand on his like shoulder and like shakes his head. No. So he can watch these chicks fight. <laughs> and, um, and it's playing a, because I'm crazy about you. And they're like throwing each other through like windows and shit. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Cool. Yeah, I had fun watching. I don't care. Fuck people. <laughs> they need to have fun. They need to have fun in their life. Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, quite a bit. Um, actually, last week I forgot to talk about. I watched uh, Don Verdeen, which is like the latest movie from the people who made like oh, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Rockwell plays Don Verdeen. Uh, Jermaine Clements in it. Uh, uh, Danny McBride plays a, 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 a pastor at a church. Uh, so anyway, Don Verdeen is, he's a religious archaeologist, so he's going, he's following the Bible and trying to find artifacts from, uh, Christianity and then, uh, promoting them. And so he finds, 
I think he finds a hammer or something, some ancient hammer. I started watching this. Yeah? Yeah, I'm realizing as if from a fever dream. Like, as you're describing this, I was like, wait a second, I watched this. Like, I think I got 20 minutes in and fell asleep. But yeah. Go ahead, sorry. It's, it's interesting you say that because it gets good, tw- well, better, 20 minutes after. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I was, I was like, I don't, I don't, uh, this is weird and kind of boring yeah and see i picked up the blu-ray and i was like man i like all the people in it i don't know if i should get it yeah and it, i put it back it really yeah the first 20 minutes it's really a lot of setup like yeah. um he, he i think he gets a book deal he becomes world famous and then dan mcbride is um this pastor whose church has fallen under hard times i forget who the rival church is run by damn it uh, that's another famous comedian. Oh, Will Forte. Yes. Will Forte. He's got a Satanist church that's like stealing all the churchgoers. And so Danny McBride is hoping that if Don Verdeen can bring some religious artifacts to his church, people will defect and come back. <laughs> um, so uh, Don Verdeen has a lead on like, uh, what is it? The Pillar of Salt? Yeah, uh, it's the... It's uh. What's her name? Uh, it's the guy's wife from Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be her I'll body. I'll remember it in just a second. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be her body, and he has a lead on it. And then he, his contact in the Middle East is Jemaine Clement. And uh, he, he has the picture from the hillside. He's like, hey, carve this up. Mail it to me. Um, I just made this huge deal with this church for a ton of money. It needs to be here. Um, Jemaine Clement's like, great, sure. And the package shows up at the church, and it's, like, just a regular pile of rocks. And then Don Verdeen <laughs> plays it off. It's like, oh, yeah, this is... And it's a little different than the picture, but, yeah. It's, so he gets his money. Um, everyone believes it's the pillar of salt it's supposed to be. And then um, uh, Danny McBride's like, okay, cool. What's your next thing you're going to bring? Um, you know, you're a full-time archaeologist in my church. you gotta, you got to produce. So um, I think... The next plan is to find the Holy Grail. Okay. I, mean, I forget what the middle one is. It's some other artifact, but um, the movie gets good when, like, and unfortunately, it's almost, I don't know, half an hour in that Jermaine Clement starts perverting uh, the mission to like, hey, let's just find tons of random things and trick everybody and make tons of money off of it. So, uh, like, they... they uh, he makes all these promises to like this, um, like this Chinese billionaire investor, like, yeah, we'll find the Holy Grail. And, uh, uh, you know, eventually he's like holding people at gunpoint, kidnapping people, just like further this lie. Hmm. Um, so everything after Jermaine Clement becomes like a main character to the plot. When he teams up with, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, it gets really funny because it's just so okay. off the wall. And then Amy Ryan is, uh, Don Verdeen's uh, secretary and she's like straight arrow, like, yeah. hey, you shouldn't be doing this. And, um, like at one point she gets hit with a rock in the chest and, uh, <laughs> like there's this, this, this prolonged, like Don Verdeen's completely oblivious to her pain, but <laughs> Jermaine Clement's like secretly in love with her. Um, yeah. Would you recommend it? Uh, you know, just as, or, or I don't know if definitely, would you recommend that I continue <laughs> watching it from, from two months ago when I started it on Netflix? <laughs> um, I, if you're curious enough, um, if you're not, then I would say skip it. Like, I, okay. I would probably never try to watch it again. Sure. But yeah. I enjoyed the last half of what I watched at okay. the time. So. Cool. It's cute. Um, and then. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. It's just like, like once the actual scam starts to happen. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and then there's like a big reveal that Will Forte was messing around with the whole plan itself as well. Um, I also got to see Men and Chicken. Oh, cool. Um, which, you know, the bad guy from, uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. And Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's one of two brothers, uh, who early on. Two brothers. Two brothers. One's a man, one's a chicken. (laughs) No, uh, early on, uh, their father is passing away and he has like one of those, uh, uh, tapes that explain or his, with his will. Yeah. He reveals like, Hey, you're not really my kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you're, you each have different mothers, but the same father. And your father is actually this brilliant, uh, geneticist on this Island. Um, which I forget the name of, but you know, it's all chicken Island, chicken Island. Sure. Um, and so like one of the, the Mads Mikkelsen brother is, uh, he thinks he's a ladies man, but he's really not. And he jerks off all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then the other brother, um, he's, actually really smart but he's just uh he's recently uh his wife left him or something um and he hates mads mickelson like has a resentment towards him and then he finds out they're not really brothers he's like all right sweet i'm gonna go find my real dad and then mads mickelson's uh, character he's like well i want to go too and so uh reluctantly he lets him go and they go they find this uh like abandoned mental hospital where their real dad is supposed to be at and they try to get in and it's defended by their three other half brothers, um, who are also like genetically inferior. Like it's weird cause they're dumb and they're really aggressive. Like their first option for resolution is to beat people up. Sure. But they also read like science journals as bedtime stories. So they okay. can explain like why science works. But when it comes to like resolving conflict, they just want to beat each other like animals or kitchenware yeah um or they'll be having dinner and like they'll fight over you know well that plate has a dog picture on it and it's my turn to have the dog so they're like stunted yeah like intellectually but also smart at the same time um like socially stunted socially stunted yeah and uh like the the main one he's been he used to be a school teacher but he's been banned because he beat up one of the kids um so yeah there's like this mystery like the the three half brothers say, yeah, dad's here, but you can't go up and see him. Um, he's irritable. He's sick. Um, you know, they keep postponing the two brothers from out of town from seeing him because there's this like secret mystery thing that unravels. And it, you know, the if you watch the trailers, it advertises a, as a comedy, but it's actually more of a drama throughout mm. the movie with comedy interspersed. And sure. the, there's this weird twist at the end that, um, you know, you kind of have to go with. <laughs> sure. So, uh, I enjoyed it. But again, not, probably not something I'll watch again, but. Yeah. Um, it was Inter- an interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting time. Okay. Uh, it, it, just an interesting story, like where it went. You know, I totally wasn't expecting. Sure. I was expecting just a straight up slapstick comedy, and it's really just more of a drama about family and stuff. Um, and then the last thing I got to see was, uh, The Lobster. Oh. Which Henry saw a while back and i right. want to explain i want to talk to him about the end because it was really like i don't know what that means <laughs> uh i'd say i'd like the first half of the movie more um because it's more about what you see in the trailers of them being uh uh colin farrell if you have if you haven't heard that episode colin farrell is this guy who i guess um his wife cheats on him 
he decides to go to this resort where um, you have, was it 40 days, 49 days? Yeah. To find a new mate or you get turned into an animal of your choice. Right. And uh, in the meantime, like you can go hunting for other humans, tagging them with tranquilizer. And that like that'll give you bonus points to prolong your time to find a new person. Okay. And if you do find a new person, there's like the first stages that you get to go um, to the couples area and exist as a couple. And then if you start fighting, um, you'll be given a child. Uh, to help you through your situation. <laughs> and then if you make it through that, you get to graduate to the yacht. So you get to take your, ch- your child and your, your, your beloved to the yacht. And then if you make it through the yacht, you get to go out into the world. And, uh, later on, you find out that the world is very strict about, like, everyone has to be couples. So, like, you go into town and everyone's a couple. Sure. Um, and then there's the forest where there's single people who choose to be single and you can't flirt and you can't, um, uh, there's no middle. There's no middle ground. You're there's either no a couple ground. or you're in the forest, and there is no coupling. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, and Colin Farrell, like, so it's, it's, or it's you're just, an animal. Yeah, or you're an animal. <laughs> the other alternative is you turn into your favorite animal. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's like this weird, quirky. Yeah. Uh, like there's different situations. Yeah. You know, um, like John C. Riley, and then um, uh, what's Q from uh, the James Bond movies? Uh, there's two. Which one? Huh. Which one? The new one. Okay. Oh, yeah, because Real Q's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he wouldn't be in this movie. Right. Um, so they uh, they each have their own little quirks, like uh, John C. Reilly has a lisp, and yeah, everyone's kind of trying to find people to partner up with that, um, like, you can, uh, uh, you can pretend to like someone by feigning interest. Sure. Uh, and, like, that's some people's way out, but then... There'll be tests to prove it like wrong, and then they'll be end up back where they started. And um, eventually, Colin Farrell gets stuck into the, the Farrell wasteland. Um, Presumably, Colin Farrell has done this before, right? Because in order to find his wife who first cheated on him, he would have had to have gone through this whole thing. I think Is that the you, way the world works. I, I think if you, they don't really explain that, but I imagine you just grow up okay. and you go throughout your normal life, and then if you lose somebody, then you have to go. Oh, okay. So I assume he probably was with that woman the whole time. This is a secondary option. Yeah. Island of, of animal turning. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then like throughout the whole training process, like the hotel staff does demonstrations of like, you know, you don't want to be alone and here's why. And they'll do a little skit of like, here's your life as a couple. And you know, they're arm in arm strutting around the stage, all happy. Sure. And then, um, They'll be like, here's your life as you're single. And it's like this old man just eating soup alone at the table. Um, and then he starts to choke and then dies. And there's no one to help him. Okay. It's like, here's your life with a couple. And so, like, he'll be eating and then there'll be a woman across the table. And then he'll choke and then she'll come and, like, give him the Heimlich. And, yay, your life's all better because you had someone right. in your life. So, it's, like, really disturbing. Yeah. Another one's, uh, you know, the good scenario, your your arm in arm with a couple you know, walking along the street. And then the lonely one is like this woman's walking alone. And then some guy just comes up and rapes her (laughs) And on stage. Like the dude pulls down his pants and starts like, you know, banging her from behind. It's like, Uh, like it's really harsh demonstrations of scenarios. Yeah. Um, weird. Yeah. Okay. Is it, so is it, is it good? I enjoyed it again. Like one, probably the one time. Yeah. Like it was interesting to watch. 
Like when they when they get in the forest part, uh, when uh, Colin Farrell decides to be willingly single, um, it kind of feels like a like okay, where's this going? Sure, there's a lot of repetitive stuff. Um, and then the end, like it's ambiguous, and I, I'm wondering if I just didn't see part of the frame, but it's, it's kind of like it just ends. Mm-hmm. And like the when it just straight ended, like a lot of the theaters start laughing. <laughs> it's funny. Um, Weird. But I thought it was just interesting to watch. But yeah, I don't know if I'd like, oh, I can't wait to see that again. Okay. Um, there's one other thing I forget, but oh, yeah. Um, if you don't like to see a dogs dying in movies, don't watch this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, how, right. like the Hollywood rule is like, don't show animals getting killed on yeah. screen. Yeah. Turns okay. the audience off. Yeah. Sure. This one doesn't care about that rule. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So James. Cool. Um, I've just got a couple of quick things. So I, uh, yeah, I went and saw the nice guys again, which it, the nice guys has turned me onto this thing of like, Oh, I, I need to go like rewatch all of the Shane Black movies. And one of the things that I looked at was that there's actually only two Shane Black. Well, there's three Shane Black movies that I had never seen before. Um, so this week I, I bought all the Blu-rays of them and will work my way through them. Uh, this week I got a chance to watch the last boy scout. Um, and I have a feeling that I basically set myself up to watch the worst one first and then they'll get better <laughs> from there. Um, and that's, that's an unfair place to start because I actually thought that The Last Boy Scout was pretty fun. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, I think the beginning's interesting with the football yeah. player and. Yeah, I think that the script is good. There's a couple of places where I'm like, I don't know what you were thinking when you did this or like why this is in the movie. Um, I think the problem is actually kind of the casting of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that like, Damon Wayans is bad. I, I like. I don't. I'm not just saying. Like, I think the Wayans brothers and 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 certainly Damon Wayans get a bad rap. Um, so I'm not just saying like, oh, it's got a Wayans brother in it, so this is stupid. Like, no. I think he's he does an all right job, but like, there isn't the best chemistry between him and Bruce Willis. Um, and I think for a, for a Shane Black movie, you need that part to be really good. Um, and they do all right, but it's just not fantastic. Um, the, the, the guy who plays Milo is really bad. Who, like, he's one of the villains and he's this guy that you've seen him pl- plenty of times before. Usually he's kind of funny. Um, and in this case, like he's just doing this really e- easy, like henchman kind of a role, like by comparison to, um, uh, the, the, the guy from, the one-eyed guy from the last, uh, the last action hero, mm-hmm. like, that performance is goal. I don't, I mean, that performance is actually really, really good, but like, that's what you would kind of want in this role, and this is just sort of like, oh, this is, you're in sort of a schlocky action movie, and you don't actually realize that this is a Shane Black script, and it's really well written. Um, and it is, like, a lot of the dialogue in these, there's these great scenes where, like, Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis are fighting and, and you're building their, their characters and their relationship and it's good. Um, but there's just stuff that's not done as well. Um, especially some of the supporting characters. So really quick, the, 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 the basic pitch of, of the last boy scout is that Bruce Willis plays a detective and he's been gone for a while or a PI has been gone for a while, comes back, finds out that his wife is cheating on him with his partner. Um, and, uh, goes takes this job protecting this young woman who's Halle Berry. Halle Berry is a stripper and the girlfriend of Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans is an ex-football player who he was a quarterback who had a really great arm, but he got kicked out of the NFL because he was gambling. 
that's the pitch of the game of the movie. Um, Halle Berry gets killed and the two of them go to try and figure out why she got killed. And like, it feels like a lot of the same things from other Shane Black scripts, only this, in this case, all of those puzzle pieces that make a Shane Black script, you know, the, the two dudes who are forced into this relationship, the, the sort of, you know, big conspiracy plot that's going on. Um, all of those parts are just the lesser of, of the other movies he's done, right? So it's all there. It's just not as awesome as it, as it has been in other movies. Um, so I, I would certainly say it's worth checking out. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought there's some really great part. Like there were some parts where I was like, holy shit. Like I was literally like yelling at the screen, like, oh, that was really cool. Um, but at the same time, there's also weird stuff that I'd love to know if his, if it's actually in the script. Like, like his 13 year old daughter is always carrying around this like puppet of a cat. I, like, and I don't know why, like, it's not like she's a ventriloquist or like that's her skill. It's almost, it's more like if she were a five-year-old, that plot point would make sense, but she's 13, so it doesn't make any sense. And then she shows up later in the movie and like the bad guys have got her dad and Damon Wayans and she shows up out of the woods with like this puppet and she's like, you know, she's pretending almost like she's younger and she's like, oh, I've got this puppet and like, here, why don't you, dad, why don't you make the puppet talk? And like Bruce Willis does this funny little this little bit, and then they reveal like that the daughter put a gun in the puppet, and he starts shooting people out of the puppet. Like so, he's shooting. There's there's this <laughs> that part of it's kind of cool. Is like here's Bruce Willis running around with a big puppet of a cat on his arm, and he sh- and there's a little bullet hole out of the end of it, and he's shooting people in the head with it. Like that part of it's funny, but the setup is so forced in a way that I wouldn't expect out of one of his scripts. Um, but of course, you know it's an earlier version, right? Um, so it's just it's just awkward. Um, and then the other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about was that I watched the first episode of Preacher uh, twice this week. Uh, so that's real. Um, so <laughs> after a year in your denying. face, yeah, no, it's 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 super real. This is totally a thing that's happening. Um, so they've done, I think, at least for my money, a really good job of adapting Preacher. Um, Preacher tells the story of. Uh, the TV show, I will say, um, tells the story of a preacher in a small town called Anvil, Texas. Um, he is, he's very troubled by, he basically through some flashbacks, you learn that like his dad was a preacher there when he was growing up, like he left and, and sort of became something of a criminal and, a uh, and, and probably like a thief. Um, and his girlfriend Tulip, they, they used to do these jobs together. And, uh, they sort of have some kind of falling out and, uh, he ends up coming back to this town and he's clearly looking for some kind of redemption, right? So he takes this job to be the, the preacher in the town and he, um, he's not very good at it. Nobody really cares about this church that he runs. Um, the, the kids are always like going and, and changing the sign outside of the church so that the sign reads things like, you know, uh, bring him your ass and your holes, stuff like that. Like there's just these funny little, uh, there's these funny little lines that back there. Um, and the, uh, um, anyway, so, and it opens with the show is really irreverent in, in all the ways it should be. So it opens with like this weird, like cartoon show or like, it looks like, uh, like an old fifties, a PSA where they're like showing you the stars, you know, like this is really old animation style. 
And so you're looking at space and there's this comet flying through space and it flies through like the rings of Saturn, but it's all looks like, I don't even want to say it look, it looks like it's cardboard or anything. Like it just, I don't know how to describe it other than it looks like an old fifties, like uh PSA kind of animation. Um, and then it comes down and here's the earth and the comet's flying straight towards the earth. And like the, it says Africa on the country uh, in like those big block letters, like that old, you know, cartoon style. Um, and, and then you cut to this, this, uh, preacher in this African church and he's, you know, uh, he's reading from the Bible and he's talking and, you know, everybody's cheering and everything is great. And all of a sudden, like this thing flies in through the door and this is the opening scene of the movie of the show. This thing flies in through the door and hits him. Um, and he, and the guy, everybody's like, what's going on? And, and somebody yells like, oh, it's a, it's a miracle. And everybody gets really loud and the guy stands up and he yells, he yells, be quiet. And everybody becomes silent. And he starts to say like, oh, I'm a prophet. Like this, I don't know what's going on, but this is crazy. Like something really magical is happening here. And at that point, he basically explodes into a giant balloon of blood that flies over everyone in the church and everybody goes running out of it. And it's like this really cartoonish, like the most gory, like there, there's no, there's no body parts. It's just, he basically liquefies into blood. Um, it's just like wacky and weird. Um, and so, uh, about halfway through the first episode, this thing comes to Jesse Custer and runs into him, but he doesn't explode. Uh, and th- he's going through this whole thing where the, the local townspeople are all assholes and they're terrible people. And, you know, he's trying to find redemption for himself, but every time he prays, he doesn't hear God. Um, he goes and he talks to this kid, uh, who has shot his face off. Um, and the kid's like, you know, I, my dad tells me I shouldn't go to church because he thinks I'll just be a distraction because um, his dad is a complete asshole and the worst person ever. And um, and he's like, yeah, I'd like to go to church, but I also don't think God wants me there because every time I pray, I don't hear anything. Like, I used to pray and I'd hear things, and then I I tried to kill myself, and now I don't hear anything anymore. Like, I, I don't think he's ever going to forgive me. And there's this really heartbreaking scene with him and Je- where Jesse's, like, trying to tell him, like, no, no, no. Like, the whole point to this thing is that if you... If you're sorry for what you did and you ask for forgiveness, you'll be forgiven. That's the whole reason this whole thing exists. Like, no, no, no. You should come to the church. It's okay. I don't care if you're distracting to other people because of the way you look now. Like, I don't care. This is the way it works. Um, but you can tell he doesn't really believe it. There's even a line earlier where this, he's like, he makes this comment about the fact that no one's listening to his prayers. Um, so he has this run into with, with this weird comet thing. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it sort of just inspires him somehow that, okay, I need to do a better job. I need to try to take care of this, this these people that, that I've been assigned to. Um, and at the end, he's sort of giving this, this sort of roaring speech, right? Don't you hit that cable, kid. Don't hit it. Don't hit it. Okay. Um, and the, uh, the things that I've skipped over are... Uh, there's a scene where we meet Cassidy, who's a vampire, and Cassidy's on a plane, and he kills a bunch of dudes, and then jumps out of the side of the plane, and is awesome. Uh, and he starts to befriend Jesse Custer. Um, Tulip is back, and there's this badass scene where she's like fighting with this dude in a, in a car while yeah, they drive through a corn tomb. Awesome. Oh man, it's so cool. Uh, and then she like <laughs> she she meets these kids, and she MacGyver's together a bazooka. And it's almost like that scene in Mad Max where Max like walks off 
and blows up all those cars and you don't see any of it. So she leaves these two kids in the cellar and is like, you guys stay down here. It's like a tornado. You guys stay down here. I'm going to take this, this bazooka I've MacGyvered together upstairs. Don't come out until you, until all the noise stops. And it's that kind of thing where like, you don't see any of it, but when they come out, like there's this helicopter that's been exploded and there's dudes with like shrapnel all in their face. And it's just like, it's terribly violent. Um, but Tulip is pretty cool. I, Tulip is actually the character I was most worried about, um, but they've done a good job there. Um, and then the other thing that I've left out is that uh, after he merges with whatever this weird thing is, um, there's this guy who's really annoying, who the whole movie or the whole show keeps coming up to Jesse and going like, oh, like my mom's so annoying and she does all this stuff. And Jesse's trying to tell him like, look, you should just be honest with her. Open your heart. Tell her how you feel. Be brave. And so at the end, after he's merged with this thing, he says to the guy again, he's like, oh, you got to be brave. You got to tell her how you really feel and you got to open your heart. And something about it when he says that is is different. And the guy walks away. And as he's giving his roar, his speech at the end about how he needs to be a better preacher and take care of these people, um, we're also cutting back and forth to the, here's this guy and he gets on a plane and he flies out to see his mom who lives in Florida and he, he sits down with her, and this is the very last thing you see in the show. He sits down with her, and he's like, Mom, like, I really wish, I would really appreciate it if you would respect me more, and if you'd listen to what I have to say, like, well, you know. Um, and then he says, and, and now I have to open my heart to you. And he takes out a knife, and he stabs himself in the chest, and reaches in, pulls out his heart, and dies. <laughs> um, and that's how the show ends. Um, and it's that kind of thing where it's just like, it's way over the top, and completely irreverent, um, but really fun. Like, they've done a good job of, like, keeping a pace and, like, adding in this weird, quirky stuff that is bizarrely fun. Does he um, not have a sternum? Because you can't just cut in your own chest so he, and take your own heart. He, he, there's two things. One, it's Preacher, so yeah, you can. <laughs> two, he cuts in, like, below his ribs and reaches, like, it's a yeah. really, yeah, it's a messy thing. Like, he reaches in underneath his shirt and, like, you just watch his whole hand just, like, whoosh and shove in there and then he rips out like this little and it is it's corny and silly and dumb um but at the same time uh i don't know it, it's it was just a funny little scene right um the 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 point being that one of the powers that jesse gets is that he can he can tell someone to do something and break their their willpower and they have to do it uh and he's really good at not knowing that he's doing it and completely fucking over people's lives in terrible ways um and uh, there's a lot of stuff that they've buried the lead on. Um, there are a couple of angels in the show, but they don't reveal that's what it is. They're like, unless you've read the book, you don't realize like, oh, that's what these two weird guys are. Um, there's a really great like little little scene where they're they're in the bar and the TV's on in the background, and and the whatever this thing is, it's going around to other people like it's not just that african dude at the beginning who dies other people have died and on uh, the news tom cruise died right on the news at one point they announced like and tom cruise exploded at a scientology event today and i was laughing so hard i was like really <laughs> um the one criticism that i have of the show um and and i will repeat that people shouldn't watch this show it's terrible and people shouldn't read the book it's awful and it's violent and they're i can't recommend it to everyone but or to anyone, but at the same time, I really love it. Um, but so Preacher is written by Garth Ennis, who is this British guy. And so it's, it is both irreverent, but it's also like this sort of love story to the West and to Americana from a guy who doesn't really understand it. And that's part of what's really great about it is there's a lot of stuff where he's, 
he's paying homage to a lot of like Western films and Western culture and all that stuff. And there's not as much of that here yet. Um, but to, on the contrary of that is that I think they've built Jesse into a more interesting and deeper character than he even is in the comics, right? It's this whole sort of religious back and forth that he has, um, I think is a lot more compelling than it is in the book. Uh, but they also, in the book, they jump into the story a whole lot faster, right? Like here they're taking their time. Um, so I'm surprisingly really <laughs> excited and interested in this show. Um, I think that they've done a really great job and I'm, I'm impressed that they've succeeded as much as they have. Um, again, I, I can't recommend it to anyone, but it's really good. So yeah, uh, preacher's a thing. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. So I can't wait till there's like dudes making 16 foot tall women out of meat and crazy inbred descendants of Jesus and all of the other stuff that they're apparently going to have to put on television now. Um, it's weird. Good. It's really weird. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been watching. These are the Blu-rays coming out this week. Corporal, get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Have you seen this? But there's been a new breakthrough in home video market. Instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Okay, this one, you have to check this out sometime. I can't even... Just promise me you'll rent it. Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. That's much too early. Prepare to fast forward. Preparing to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. I'm bizarrely excited for this week. Yeah? Yeah, because I'm, I'm so curious about Gods of Egypt that I, 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 know. I think I need to see it. I know. I really want to get the Blu-ray 3D just because it has those two, like, robots fighting on it. Yeah. And I don't know why. What the hell is that movie? I don't know. Ryan, we need to find out what the so hell the that movie is. Worked on that one. It is. We do. No, I don't think it did because none of us went and saw the movie. He's gonna buy it though. Well, that's true. All right. <laughs> well, just because it's two robots fighting on it, I don't. They're, <laughs> they're like, like liquid metal. I don't no, know what it is. I don't disagree. They're I, like, I'm, hey, at least we got twenty five bucks back. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than they made at the box office. We're a little bit, a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recouping our money. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies comes out this week. Oh, I have that one coming. Um, that's a fun so, one. Yeah, yeah, that's worth you know, it's worth checking out. Uh, there's a movie called Race, which is about... Uh, Jesse Owens? Um... It's about Jesse Owens. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, uh, there's no one named Jesse Owens in it, but it's got Jeremy Irons and William Hurt in it, and Jason Sudeikis. Oh, it's a different race? <laughs> Didn't there, wasn't there a movie called Race with Jesse Owens, like the Jesse Owens story this year? Uh, <sighs> it, this is, this is some dude who's racing and there's Nazis. Yeah, that's Jesse Owens. Okay, I don't know who Jesse Owens is. So you, I, you don't I, know who Jesse Owens is? No, I don't know who Jesse Owens is. I read a book, James. Uh, okay. Know your history. I read Preacher. Does that have He's, Jesse Owens in it? He is an African-American athlete who went to Nazi Germany and beat all the Germans to squash Hitler's ideals of uh, white supremacy. Oh, cool. Oh, I've heard that story before. I just don't know the name. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Triple Nine is coming out this week, uh, which I really wanted to see. That's from the guy who directed... Um, anybody remember? Nope. Oh, John Hillcoat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's John Hillcoat. So it's the guy who made uh, The Proposition and The Road, and that's why I wanted to see oh, it, but okay, it was cool. in and out of theater so fast that I missed it. 
Um, but I remember that that was. I think it was released why. the same day as Batman Superman. That's why. it was something dumb like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Like trying to counter program a movie that's going to make two hundred million dollars. Yeah, even though the, like what the movie looks like is it looks like a Sicario esque um, like cop drama, uh, cop action drama. So cop drama. It's, it's hard to not want to see that. <laughs> uh, now you see me is getting a four K release. So should am I supposed to rewatch that before we go see the new one? Oh, we're not seeing it. Something else comes out that week. Oh, thank sweet. God. Oh man. All right. I, I think Turtles comes out the same week. June 10th, right? No, no Turtles is next week. Turtles yeah. is next week? June 3rd. Wow. June 3rd. Well, then maybe well, it's June week, 3rd. Uh, Whatever it is. There's something else coming out that I'll week. Just look it up. There's an Arrow release this week with a really cool cover for a movie called Bloodbath. Ooh. Um, this is a really neat, like, it's not Charles, uh, Charles Burns, but it's that, that kind of comic style, very, um, black and gray. Uh, and it's like, it's this woman in a cellar, and she's surrounded by all these angry paintings, and then there's a dude at the cellar door with a knife. Uh, but it's, it's like a cool, old comic art cover. I don't know, it's really neat. You should, you should look up Bloodbath. Uh, who knows if it's any good. Yeah, Now um, You See Me Too is, uh, June 10th. Yeah, what oh, else okay. comes with to Warcraft and Conjuring Two? <laughs> yeah, oh, so because we got to go see Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, Venom. Uh, this is clearly a movie where pretty ladies in their underwear are attacked by giant snakes. Nice. Uh, it stars uh, Sterling Hayden and Klaus Kinski and Susan George, Ooh, Klaus and Kinski, Sarah Miles, and Oliver mm-hmm. Reed's in it. Um, it's a pretty cool cover, I think. It's 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 pretty silly and dumb. Um, oh 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 snap! Okay, here we go. This will be fun. It was supposed to be a perfect crime. The sexy maid Susan George from Straw Dogs, a psychotic chauffeur Oliver Reed, and the international terrorist, the legendary Klaus Kinski. Kidnap a wealthy ten-year-old from his elegant London townhouse, but they didn't count on a murdered cop. What? What? <laughs> Is the cop already dead? Maybe the maybe they accidentally murder a cop or something. A desperate hostage siege and one very unexpected house guest. A furious <laughs> oh, and one very unexpected house guest. A furious black mamba, the most lethal and aggressive snake known to nature. It can attack from ten feet away. Its bite brings excruciating death, and it's on the loose. Now, terror knows no antidote, and the ultimate in slithering mayhem is... Venom. Anyone else knows James is the only one laughing? Sorry, I'm laughing because the whole... The, the fact that halfway through the description of the plot of the movie, it basically turns into um, uh, Kevin Smith's story about about Superman Lives, where it's like, a black mamba, the most dangerous and vicious animal in the animal kingdom. Like, really? <laughs> it terrifies Steve Irwin. Oh, man. Like, half of the description of the plot of this movie is an explanation of what a black mamba is. Oh, that's why I thought it was funny. Anyway... Uh, so yeah, uh, maybe maybe buy a copy of Venom. That's this week. Exciting, <laughs> is it? This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we went and saw X Men Apocalypse. James, should people go see X Men Apocalypse? Oh, uh, you had to start with me. Um, 
I'm really frustrated by this movie. Uh, I would say that if you're an X-Men fan and you are going to see all X-Men the ninth movies... X- the ninth X-Men movie. Can you believe that? Yeah, man. Uh, well, including and, the singular ones, right? Yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. In, and in this run, Deadpool you know, included. counting sort of uh, first class as a reboot, it's the third, which maybe Sophie Turner was referencing that. Um, so... I think that the bones here are really good. I was really, really bored by this movie. Um, and I have a lot of problems with some of it. Uh, there's some fun stuff in here. So I, I think it's worth like renting. Um, if you're really a big X-Men fan, um, yeah, maybe go check it out. But it's hard for me to say like, yeah, you should go spend your money to go see this movie in theaters. Um, because I, I was just really bored. Um, I was pretty disappointed. So yeah. Brad? Uh, I wasn't. I actually enjoyed it a lot. It's not my favorite X-Men, but uh, I th- th- still thought it was pretty good. There's one sequence that is a complete deviation from the plot. Uh, as, fun as, fun, as fun as it is, um, it's completely unnecessary. Um, but uh, yeah, I still enjoyed it. And uh, if you like X-Men, it's perfectly fine. Um, I don't know how to open an otter case. Will you open that for me and put my phone in? Thanks. <laughs> we all three tried. All three of us have it. tried to open this otter case. He's not kidding. No we idea can't what's figure going it out on. without breaking it. I gave up. Yeah, really. We don't know what we're doing. We're not we're not real men. Yeah. She's going to do it with a flick of her wrist and we're all going to just like what Our wieners we... are just going to droop. <laughs> See, it says you just peel it off on the back. The directions don't make any sense. It's true. What? What? Did she did she do it? <laughs> anyway, uh, Ryan, should people go see X-Men um, I'm kind of like in uh, Brad's thing. I, I had a lot of fun with some of this film. Um, you know, I, I liked, I, I've liked the first class and on a lot. Um, there, there are some issues I have with it. Sometimes I thought the special effects were really bad. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Fassbender's Magneto. Um, Absolutely. I think James McAvoy is, uh, matured into a really good um professor x the performances here are all yeah they're all like super strong um so yeah i mean if you like the x-men movies i would definitely see it um because i I, there's some i I think the story is really fun and um and i like the threat of the villain that the villain is i mean i think the villain's scary in it because you're not sure like how to defeat him uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think you see it. Here's the, uh, the trailer for it. Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. He's coming. Some call him Apocalypse. He was some kind of god. For thousands of years, he's been amassing mutants to take their powers. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they've built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll one. I've never felt power like this before. They took him. Raven, the world needs the X-Men. I'm not a hero. Your students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, 
I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Him and my mom, they did. No, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. Apocalypse means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god and the most powerful beings on earth. Forget everything you think you know. None of that matters. You're not students anymore. I'll take everything from them. You're X-Men. Well, you've been busy. We had a little help. So uh, the movie takes place 10 years after Days of Future Past. Uh, the hard thing with X-Men movies and X-Men comics is they follow really weird timelines. Yeah. So remember that Days of Future Past, Wolverine has reset the timeline. Yeah. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. Uh, so it's 10 years later. The X-Men are starting to build a home with at Xavier's home. A haven for mutants. A haven yeah. for mutants. Uh, even magneto eric has gone off and he has a family now and he's living uh i don't know in poland or something i poland yeah uh it's so it's it's yeah it's i think it's really fast Ooh. are you all right buddy <laughs> he's, he's okay um poor guy and yeah uh the film opens really i think interesting with the scenes in egypt mm-hmm. where apocalypse is switching bodies into oscar isaac's body uh and that's why he's been captured underneath the pyramid you mean with regenerative powers yeah, yeah. so, so basically basically the the idea there is that apocalypse is a guy who who has the power to jump from one body to the other or or has the ability i don't know that's that like really his, his that's power, like his, but, his original mutant power is yeah. he's able to jump but and when he, he jumps does, he takes the powers yeah, he exactly. had with him to the new one so basically every time he jumps he gains a new power mm-hmm. uh, which is really awesome um, and presents some really great dangers here. Um, and then there's all, but there's also this, this sort of thing that for me is one of the things that like, I, I think is superfluous to the plot and is probably one of the things that I think should have been, they should have just ignored was he's got these like four followers that he's got to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the beginning, like you meet those four guys and there's like some kind of rebellion, um, from all the slaves and they bury him in the, in the, in the earth uh, and kill all his followers, and then he's trapped there for you know six thousand years until Which the deaths in that gets... were awesomely yeah. gruesome. I know. Oh, yeah, they were. They oh, were really messed uh, up. And spoiler, spoilers, the Wolverine stuff. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> oh yeah, like he was like jamming his claws into people's heads, and blood was flying everywhere. Was like, yeah, that's intense. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, and so then we we jump forward to everybody's. They're they're building their team. Uh, it's and the eighties. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, so, 
Rose find Rose finds some dudes who have found the body, and they basically wake up Apocalypse. Um, and then he goes around and starts collecting Storm, Angel, Psylocke, and then eventually Magneto. Yeah, and uh, I think... I mean, it's a recurring theme in the X-Men movies. I, I wish they would change it. But, I mean, Magneto is always wavering on being a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. And that's... But I love the idea that he started a new life. I do, too. Uh, and he has a wife and a kid. And he saves that one dude's life. And instead yeah. of people, in, you know, thinking of him as a hero, they're like, you know, hey, you, you're scaring us. And then uh, the scene where his wife and kid die is like he's so good and when he takes that necklace off and he shoots it through all those cops necks i'm like oh that's fucking badass yep. so this is one of the most frustrating scenes of the movie for me because i love his performance mm-hmm. and i love angry magneto but that whole thing of like th- th- an accidental arrow goes through and kills both of the people he loves and also i mean what you just sort of uh mentioned of this thing of like how many every single movie ends up being Magneto gets mad and somebody has to go talk to him and convince him that that he can be good again. Like I'm so tired of that. And at the beginning of this movie, I loved Eric again. I was like, this is so great. I love the idea of him being good and have having something to fight for other than just him being angry. That I think the, I think you could have pulled this off and made a really great movie and left those people alive, right? Or found a different way to. But then you wouldn't have the necklace go through people's necks. <laughs> sure, but, but okay, that a whole uh, plot just for a cool sequence. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think that scene only really stands out in this movie because it's one of the few times that that mutants use their powers in cool ways, right? By comparison to Days of Future Past, which has these amazing action sequences where these mm-hmm. where these mutants are doing all these awesome things and it's really like it's these scenes that you can only get in an, an x-men movie like most of the action scenes here for me are pretty bland um the quicksilver I'll, thing oh, rescue quicksilver was awesome. awesome quicksilver was not awesome for me i wasn't wow. it, it for me the quicksilver scene was languid and like halfway through that scene i was like why are we still watching this this is a in some ways a repeat of what we saw last time Right, like you're just doing the same thing um, from the, from the last movie where that was really cool. Whereas but here it's like and better. <laughs> except that, except that here's the thing. That scene to me is is such a poorly assembled sequence because you're making this thing really fun while at the same time we're blowing up this house that that should have some weight but it doesn't really. And then you're also killing a character off. And so when that happens, it's like this terrible whiplash of, oh, well, we just did this fun, like, scene where he hears this fun music. And I this think is that's supposed a juxtaposition of the scene is you, but, you go there with Quicksilver and he's like, oh, look how cool I am. I can save everybody because he even says, I saved everybody. And like, you didn't save everybody, dude. Yeah, but I, I, I for me, it just totally that scene does not work for me. Um, like I, that happened. This seems so wedged in here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like this was, just, I thought the final boss battle was pretty good too. I, like, thought, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Like an X-Men the, the, the movie where they're using fight? all their powers at the same time. So like in, in a, is, is like, I don't know, maybe I haven't seen the other movies in a while, but it just seemed like, you know, usually it's like one on one, but the fact that they're like combining stuff much like a uh, civil war. Um, like yeah. what was cool is like, you know, in the, the airport thing is like, they're finding clever ways to like bounce their powers off of each other. 
to get to their goal. So I, I, I don't know. I loved the mind fight at the end. Like that part to me was really cool. Like him, him fighting a pocket. Like when he's like, Oh, thank you for letting me into your mind. And he goes in and he's just standing there and he's like, look at my hair's cool. Like I'm a fuck you up. Like that was awesome. Right. And they start fighting in their mind, but the fight in the real world is like, Scott takes off his glasses and shoots a laser and Magneto is just throwing like beams of metal at him. And like, it's, it's not, it's not actually by comparison to the opening sequence of Days of Future Past where you really are getting that. I, I feel where you've got, you know, Blink throwing up these things and people shooting stuff through holes and like there is all of this combination. Like there's none of that here. And then it ends with Phoenix, which the setup there is so cool, right? Like he's calling out to Jean and she comes in and she starts fucking shit up. And then it's like this weird pseudo thing where she's walking in, in the middle of the air and it looks so cool. But then she just screams and he sort of melts and it looks cool, but it's just not an interesting action scene for me, right? Like it, I, I had more fun in the mind fight than I did in the real fight there where I was just like, really? Like this is what you had? Um, or even the fight before that where you've got, this is Brian Singer, the guy who brought us the, the original Nightcrawler action scene, which is so fucking awesome, right? Like still one of the best mutant fight scenes in any of these movies. And Nightcrawler here, like, yeah, he, he bounces around a bunch, but, like, I, I don't feel like his action scenes are that interesting. Like, he he teleports uh, Angel into a cage and then pops out. And, like, it's just not as not as kinetic and cool. I just don't think that Brian Singer's having fun here. Like, I, I don't see that same energy. Um, I, I, was, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. I think, I think there's lots of energy in the last fight because um, whether it's Magneto throwing the stuff and I – kinetically with the uh the fireworks then storm gets involved um i I mean i thought it had a lot of fun to it and i I, and i think it's a little darker too because of the villain in it i I think uh because of who apocalypse is creates uh a darker sense to it um but again my my biggest problems with the movie wasn't um the set pieces Uh, i think the action was fun I, i like the quicksilver scene um, I, I think sometimes the special effects let it, the, it's, it let the movie down. Sure. Um, there's parts, uh, when Magneto, when he first starts raising like the, the metal from the earth and there's the ship like turns sideways, like the boxes in it look really fake. Mm. And oh. that's, that's, oh yeah. Like that last shot at the yeah. end where the, where the yeah. container ship's on its side. I was yeah. like, this is dog shit. Why are yeah. you making us look at this so for that so long? Takes me out of the movie. Oh yeah. That was really but, bad. Uh, the performances pull me back in mm-hmm. most oh. of the time. Uh, there's a couple parts where I thought the dialogue was really forced. The is Scott it, is stuff. Is it Scott, Scott and, and Gene? Yeah. Their chemistry is so bad and their dialogue is, there's literally a scene where they're on the helicopter and he's just asked her, like, uh, he's asked her, like, hey, would you tell the, tell the pilots to, to land us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, start controlling people. And then, and they, they realize they can't and they start talking and he gets sad about his brother being dead and, and she says, no, that's not the way he felt. And he goes, how do you know what he felt? The f- who the fuck wrote that scene? What do yeah. you mean? How? Why would he ask that question? He knows exactly how she knows how he felt. That's her power. Like, well, I would what? argue that scene is completely unnecessary. Like the whole striker plot line. Oh like, yeah, that was just. Well, let's let's lock our characters in, in a box for a while because that'll be good. Well, it's, oh, it's, it's it's to unleash Wolverine. I yeah. mean, that's the whole point of it, right? But that's that's detrimental to the film. No, I. I, I agree. I think the scene's fine. I think it's Wolverine. I, it's I still, cool. But I, still, it, yeah, I mean, Wolverine cool. is cool, but the whole time I'm just like, why like are we here? Movie. Yeah, the, yeah, it, it doesn't just need to Just to explain be there. something and, and for, for me, the next movie. 
Like the reason why that's frustrating to me is that like when it starts, I'm invested in Scott. I'm excited to have Scott back. I, I, I mean, love I, the idea. I, I do him. like that Scott Summers is cool in it. Yeah. Because I think the biggest problem, the first three X-Men. Right. They made him a voice guy. They made him. Yeah. I mean, he's the first one. He's not bad. The second one, I don't mind him. And then the third one, the third where, he's, where he's just fucking killed right for no reason I, I think that's stupid yeah well i mean obviously I mean, he's killed for real life reasons yeah for real life reasons. reasons yeah but yeah so i mean sometimes their chemistry worked and then other times i think the script let them down oh yeah because it seems but, like they were trying to talk to the audience like the audience didn't get that they were supposed to be together and for me like i, I early on i was really excited because i was like oh cool like Scott's Scott's sort of our entry into this, right? Like Scott's our way to to see these characters fresh and to like we get to learn this, get to know this kid and get to follow his story, and, and we end up just having his story just be a lot of distractions. And he doesn't like I don't feel like his arc is actually that 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 powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Where I think that could have been such an amazing movie, um, and I thought that's sort of what they were building on in those first scenes when you in, when they introduce him. Um, but I thought, oh, this is really a great way to tell this story and to like bring me into these characters in a new, fresh way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then by the end, like he's just taking his glasses off and then like puts them back on for some reason, um, and then gets sucked into a wall. Like I, yeah, I just but there's times where it works. I mean, I think uh, the part where he shows uh, Xavier his powers. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> I think good. my grandfather planted that tree. I mean, yeah. stuff. I, I think the movie's pretty fun. At that part, gr- tree yeah. grew really fast. If his grandfather planted that tree. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe he planted it when it was big. Uh, <laughs> his grandfather was a very large man. Apparently. Yeah. That was yeah, his mutant and, power. And, yeah. <laughs> Being he, large. His mutant power was... And he, you know, he, like I said, when people were complaining grow. about Apocalypse's look before I saw me, I think it oh, works in the movie. Yeah, no, I think I think Apocalypse is mostly cool. Um, for me, it's stuff like like... Like the weird sequence where they're just... He gathers him, the, his guys and... Charles on this weird rock that looks like a leftover set from yeah, Star Trek. That's what I mean. Like, and they hang out there forever. Sometimes I don't like. Why are they on that set? It, yeah. it just looks. It looks weird in the tone of the rest of the movie, especially because like the 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 bone. I don't love everything that's going on in that scene, but the 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 framework of that scene is so cool, right? Like he's he meets Charles and he's like, "This is such a great power. Like I can really." use and abuse this and there's so much potential there um and that's where so much great drama could happen but like you i compare that you know you you talked about this movie being darker i would disagree just at least on a character point standpoint because if you go back to days of future past where you have these guys who are fighting they know that they're gonna go extinct and there there's those amazing scenes like we even talked how many times we loved the, the scene in the trailer where he's like, I don't want your future. Like that scene. There is no amazing dramatic moment like that in this movie, at least for me. Right. Um, I think the times it gets close is maybe when I, Magneto's parents, Magneto's family die. Yeah. And well, his even, performance there is great. I even think Magneto, though, when he's back at Auschwitz, I think, I think the performance is really good yes. there. I mean, I'm never going to argue with you any moment that Michael Fassbender's on screen. I think he's amazing, right? Like the performances here are always so great that I think they are constantly elevating material that lets them down when they're not, when they're not being dramatic, right? When they're being, when they're, when they're moving through an adventure, I feel like the, the movie falls apart some. Um, and so it just left me sort of like, man, I, <sighs> I, I I want to move along. Like I I want to get to something that's interesting. 
Um, and that, I think that's part of why, like, the stuff that was supposed to be a cool action set piece, like, like Quicksilver, just sort of left me cold, cause I was like, I, at this point, I'm, I'm already kind of bored, and you're just rehashing a scene from the last movie for me. Like, here's this. Uh, well, the last one, he was breaking out of jail and punching people in the faces. This okay, one, he was rescuing people. You're just changing the context. Like, the joke well, is it's, the it's, same, it's right? Like, same, no, but the, 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 but anyway, he's punching Apocalypse. It was awesome. That was really cool, right? Yeah. Like that's you taking something from the last movie and building on it, and making see, it bigger and but cooler. That's why I loved Apocalypse. I think he was a cool villain because I do too. I, 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 mean, I, I like when he was getting punched and he started slowly learning yes. what Quicksilver was doing. That was cool. Um, it, it, it's it's fascinating because you know one of the parts of Apocalypse is looking for powerful mutants, and then when he finds out how powerful Xavier is, is it changes his whole idea of what he yeah. can do i think it's pretty fascinating um, i i feel like they there's a lot of setup for that character that and for this sort of story that i just feel like bogs the movie down for me yeah but um, it's uh, yeah if i it's in the middle of the road for the x-men movies for me yeah but i, I don't think it's a bad movie no uh, it's not it's not x-men origins or anything like that it's not like it's not really hard to watch um for me it's just I, I, it might just be a letdown because days of future past was so great but oh yeah uh and and because they've done such a great job setting up these characters that i love so much right like the reason that i'm frustrated by by magneto's story here is because i love magneto so much right mm-hmm. and so the fact that the climax of this movie is once again like hey we gotta go talk to magneto and convince him he's good and then he's gonna decide that we're right and come help us like there's that's no, not true. that's not character development. <laughs> wow, that, that cat just sneezed on you. It scared the hell out of you, um, bro. Like that's to me that's that's us hitting the same beat again. Yeah. It's not pushing the character that's, forward. That's the only th- issue I have with it. Um because I like in uh Fastbender is my favorite character in these three movies. Yeah. Because even in uh at first class where it's like James Bond where he's going around oh, hunting dude. down people was badass. How cool was that? He kills the dude with the coin. Oh man. Yeah. And so good. So I think he's, I think he's the best character in these three films. Yeah. Um, with Professor X really close. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to see just a Magneto movie mm-hmm. where, he- speaking of which, uh, cause I listened to the first class episode. Oh, yeah. And one of my gripes was that their friendship isn't built up enough early on. And this movie kind of puts them back on that track. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, Brian Singer's listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally he is. Because <laughs> you're saying that, like, or whoever this, wrote it, this is a movie where by the end they can, like, they start having a friendship again. Yeah, yeah. Because that that is the thing. Like, you look back at X Men One or Two, like they they have this weird, like, cordial friendship that that they've they I th- I feel it like fractured they, severely at some. Yeah, point. like they could have gotten them there at the beginning of this movie, right? Like at the end of Days of Future Past, it's potentially like they could have had him have a family for 10 years and for what something happens and those two guys get back together and we see the genesis of this like they don't see eye to eye they're they're iron man and captain america they don't agree on this one subject but they are friends and that could have made for such a more interesting like character dynamic here like what if he chose to go with what if like he leaves his family to protect them because he internally feels like he is dangerous to them and like this really becomes about him and he chooses to join apocalypse because he thinks apocalypse is right and because there is like there, he's got this sort of religious thing going on about like why why am i this way why am i so dangerous to the people around me and he meets this guy and he's like 
you're the guy with the power, you can help me out. And and then it's just a an ideological argument, right? It's not this I'm angry and I'm oh, I'm so I'm so goth emo kid again because everybody around me dies. Like no, it's just it's more that who I am is dangerous. And it doesn't matter if my family's dead. I can't be around them because I might get them killed. Like that to me is way more interesting and allows you to have that character be free to talk and express emotion and not just be like, well, I have to be pouty because my family's dead. Which I think is what locks him into that cage and forces him to follow all these rules at the end of the movie of like, well, I'm just going to stand here and... Because it's so... The idea of what he's doing is so awesome. Like, he's so powerful now that he can affect the magnetic uh, fields of the Earth. Like, that's cool and so dangerous and a really great villain. But he's... He's Magneto at the end of X-Men 1 where he's like, well, I'm, I'm really tired and I'm old and I'm up here in this tower and I can't, I can't really do anything until somebody comes and talks to me and convinces me I'm wrong. Like, yeah, but then you uh, get a cool necklace sequence. So yes, I mean, God, he could have killed anybody with the necklace. Like, <laughs> but, the but necklace. see, you're also forgetting the parallels between his wife and daughter dying to his, his parents dying in Auschwitz and that just set him off. I, I don't know, when, I, when I watch it, I, I get inside the, his head. I'm like, like, I kind of feel his rage to her. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me again? Like, yeah. I can't have happiness at all. I, I guess the difference is that I'm mad at the writers. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mad at the world. Because for me, it seems like that shot of, oh, this, this the bumbling fool. going through fool, next? No, yeah. this bumbling <laughs> it's fool. It's so ironic. This bumbling fool with this bow and arrow who's only using a bow and arrow because his boss told him you can't bring a gun. Why is he in any way good at a bow and arrow? Just happens to shoot Which I guess doesn't have a metal tip, I guess. Right. Just happens to shoot both his daughter and his wife through the heart by accident. Like, that that shot is so dumb that it's only forgivable because his performance is so good, right? Because Michael Fassbender is so awesome, and he grabs the two of them, and he screams, and you're like, oh, this is so stupid, but I I, I feel for you. But see, the apocalypse is picking on his vulnerability to... That I love this. I, I, I love the, the, the apocalypse has <laughs> nothing so to do with to the bow and arrow. But when he shows up at the factory, I love. He's like, uh, oh, "You're good. gonna see my power." Oh, that's awesome. And then uh, apocalypse shows up. Right. He's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, "You're not gonna stop me from killing these people." And then apocalypse, apocalypse just kills them all. Them. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and it's really fucked up. Though. Like when he does that thing where he kills, he quote kills people by sinking them into the ground or sinking them into walls. They don't die. No. Like that dude, when he does it to the first dude, like the dude's eyes are bouncing back and forth. He's like, I'm stuck in this wall now. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what the deal here is, but I, so like those dudes who fall into the floor, finds the, me. <laughs> yeah, like the guys in the floor of the factory are choking, are like suffocating under that floor mm-hmm. and their hands are all, that was messed up, man. Yeah. And, and then Magneto threw all those metal things through Apocalypse. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. That this movie cool. is, that movie is, this movie is pretty violent. It and is. Then, yeah. It's awesome. Phoenix blew off his skin, and he's like, yeah. all has been revealed. I was like, just, what does that fucking mean? Yeah. Can we just talk about the fact that basically I feel like this whole franchise has been writing its way back to forgiving Brian Singer for leaving the franchise so that he can finally do a Phoenix movie? Like, well, this movie leaves us in the same place as the as the second movie. If uh, I mean, I'm not a huge X-Men fan comic book-wise, right. but I am a huge fan of the villain that's going to be in the next one. Uh, if you're having con- confusion about what happened at the end of uh, apocalypse the tag scene um essex is mr sinister right and i i think mr sinister is the coolest villain in x-men so hmm, um, really yeah because right. he's really he's uh, a ceo something yeah he he takes 
like the Weapon X program and makes himself a mutant, basically. Yeah. And he like clones mutants. So he's, he's, he's an interesting character. Yeah. He's, he's not your typical, I want to rule the world. He's more of, I want power. He's like, hey, I think these mutants are kind of cool and I wish I was one. Yeah. Why and I think the I name Mr. Sinister is cool. Yeah, for sure. The, you, you know, they're going to rename him like Stephen Essex and somebody's going to be like, you're so sinister. Okay. On that note of me, of me, of making that joke. There are two sentences in this movie where they use the word apocalypse in a like when they're describing who apocalypse is because they never call him apocalypse and like Rose says like you know oh or uh, Alex says like oh it's he's like he's gonna bring on some kind of apocalypse and then Rose's next sentence is some some something and then some kind of apocalypse and I was like okay we get it he's apocalypse like come on guys yeah um, and then the department of uh the war department they do stuff like that too yeah like, but there's, just, uh, there's weird it's like little a second out of the movie i forget oh it. no 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 i i know I, it was just it was funny to me. it was like it was very close to you know having a uh like in the last boy scout there's this line there's a line where they almost say like oh you're you're like the last boy scout he doesn't quite say it <laughs> but you you realize they're tempted to say it and this is the same kind of thing we're like oh what the hell i am iron man <laughs> <laughs> greatest ending to a superhero movie ever yeah uh um, man which has now come back to biting him in the ass yeah that's why it's awesome yeah who would have thought the mistakes that tony stark has made have all come back to get him yeah. that's why civil war is such a great movie i yeah, feared that one day my mistakes would come back to haunt me <laughs> and, the, the, and the price would be more than i could pay <laughs> yeah you have done nothing for you should be ashamed I have done nothing, and for that I am ashamed. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> the Patriot, if you don't know what I'm talking about. No, I know. <laughs> uh, hello? Uh, next week we're seeing Turtles. Yeah. Out of the Shadows. Out of the Shadows. You excited, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> it's got I, the, I think it looks fun. Yeah, it's got the... Ba- I, yeah, I'm giving it a shot. I hope that there's... A, the things I like about the last one are the last shot of this new trailer where, like... They're going down the river, and there's a giant tank, and a bullet comes right at the camera, and the turtles are all doing kung fu in a river. Mm-hmm. Like, that silly stuff was the stuff that I found fun in that last movie. Um, I just want to say Cowabunga once. Sure, yeah. I watched some clips, and it seems like a lot of the what was missing from the first one was the turtle humor. Yes. It was so April-focused. And I feel like uh, what I've seen, they give some of that back. I don't know if the yeah. jokes will be funny to right. me, being that's, 34 years old. But that's, exactly but that's like, what I mean. That's I just want it to be fun. One. I don't. Because... Right. You know, when I see Bebop and Rocksteady, I, I think it looks yeah. fun. Yeah, I, I like mean, that part of it. Um, so, and I don't, I mean, I, I have very little affinity for, like, I, I had the helicopter when I was a kid, like the, the TMNT helicopter thing. Turtle Blimp? Uh, no, it was a helicopter. The helicopter like with the, boxing gloves? Yes. You pull the yes. trigger on the back and the. Uh huh. I had that thing. See, yeah, I, obviously, me and so Brad weird. grew up with a cartoon, so I have a very I soft spot it. in my heart for Ninja Turtles and the arcade game and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm just hoping it's somewhere along the lines of that, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's the sooner you bring it, like they just released a, a TMNT like video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from it's from Platinum. Mutants in sh- Manhattan. Yeah, you shouldn't play it because Platinum <laughs> is not very good. It looks really good, but yeah, I read it doesn't play very good. Yeah, um, they made the Legend of Korra video game, which was abysmal. Um, yeah. Anyway, I watched a guy play it for about an hour this week and talk about he he played through the whole thing. Anyway, all off off track. Um, but like in that one, they 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 bring in that turtle humor, and it's a fine line between like, hey, this is this is pretty dumb and annoying, and hey, this is really witty and fun, and I like this thing, you know. So it, it, that'll be uh, an interesting thing to watch them do. So cool. 
So, till next week, Turtle Power. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds podcast.